Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. First time in about 17 years here on the Hooked On podcast. Hello, Paul. How's it going? I'm all right, Rob. I'm surprised you remember my number. <laughs> well, let's face it's it. It's been a while. I, let's face it. I don't remember your number for two reasons. One, <laughs> no one remembers anyone's number these days. And two, uh, we, we do this on Skype. Uh, so Very true. Numbers not necessary from that point of view. So Kate from Kate. that uh, Kate. Uh, ill-advised um, interjection there for yourself. Um, no, it's uh, it's been a while, isn't it? There's, uh, what, let's face it, not much has gone on. Is it over the last what six or seven weeks since we? Uh, we no, not, the wrestling world has fine. been really quiet. Yeah, nothing really to talk about. Really, we, in fact, should we just talk about the football instead? Uh, well, actually, no. Um, I okay. think we should. Um, uh, probably make a bit of a, a vow. We have had people in the past say, oh, you, I like your podcast, but you, you talk about football a bit too much. You have too many football analogies. Rob, Rob in particular does too many, well, if you compare it to football, blah, blah, blah. We That happens in the middle of a season when I'm making comparisons to Plymouth Argyle versus Grimsby. If people know what's going on at the moment, uh, if you've not checked the news, by the way, everyone, uh, it's coming home. Um, and uh, England are in a World Cup semi-final. So there is a chance if we start talking about football, we may do it for the next uh, four hours and then you know talk about one arm drag at the end. Um, so I think we need to avoid it where possible, except for one thing. So I'm going to make a vow to talk no football in this podcast, except to remind Paul, right at the top of this show, of a rather impetuous social media <laughs> post. The uh, I think it might have been, was it in the wake of the Columbia game? I'm not quite sure exactly when it was. This last it couple might... weeks have been a bit of a... Merging memories to me. So yeah, uh, if it's the one uh, I'm thinking of, yes. Let's clue everyone in. Let's smarten everyone up to use a a wrestling term, a wrestling industry term. Um, Paul, what was it that you uh, decided that you'd uh, pick up the (laughs) smartphone, log into the uh, the Facebook and Twitter accounts of Hooked on Wrestling, and type out on your little phone there? What did you say? Well, I'm a patriotic soul, aren't I? And I was all excited, little me sitting there after the uh, Columbia game. And how could we do more to celebrate this and do more to sort of get the buzz going? And in my, I decided in my impetuous little head that I was going to say that if England were to win the World Cup, everybody gets into our SummerSlam parties for free. <laughs> right, so let's clarify this. If England win the World Cup... Yeah. You are going to let everyone into our SummerSlam parties. Yeah. Yeah, I am. So I kind I'm of am. Yeah. When you came up with that, now I happen to know everyone that Paul's not had an alcoholic drink for about six weeks. Uh, well, well that's, what he, that's what he tells me. Past um, tense. 
That might have changed on Saturday. Oh, that might change on Saturday. Okay. Well, at, well, okay. But at, but that, at, point, at that point, I'd not run for about six weeks. Yeah. Okay. As of when you made that post, you've yes. been sober for a little while, haven't you? So, um, yes, <laughs> that I'm makes not. you makes you sound like you've been through like, the prior or something. <laughs> six just, weeks clean. Six weeks clean. Just happens to be, uh, you know, just having a little bit of a uh, detox. But uh, <laughs> hadn't had a drink for a little while, so it wasn't under the influence. It wasn't the old uh, uh, Robin Joel doing a podcast after two bottles of Chardonnay. Uh, like in the old days, it was uh, it was Paul Benson sober, uh, knocking out these uh, ludicrous um, uh, suggestions. Um, I've got really one important question. So, if you take no money from your SummerSlam parties, do the hooked on staff still get paid? Unfortunately, you do. Yeah. Yes. That's okay. I don't mind then. I'll, yeah. if that, I'll listen. At the, my my first. Um, uh, issue obviously is with myself and the second is with the people I don't care about you um, <laughs> so if I'm getting paid and the people are getting in for free to me that's a win-win and you, you have dug your own grave and you can lie in it that's not quite the right um, uh, way of putting that but uh, so happy days so basically what I'm saying is to anyone out there that doesn't give a shit about football and you're thinking oh these two are talking about football again on a wrestling podcast um, you can save yourself a few quid by hoping that England win the World Cup, which is actually bloody possible, which we wouldn't have said that was ever possible in a million <laughs> years about four weeks ago. But we only have to win two more football matches, and uh, Paul is there. Uh, Paul is, I guess Thank what God. you need to do now, <laughs> you probably need to put about 20 grand on England to win, don't you? Something like that. If you mate, can yeah. get about four to one or three to one or something on England to win the World Cup, you probably need to have quite a hefty wager on them, and then yeah. you don't really mind if it doesn't come up. So. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. It needs to be it needs to be quite a sizable side bet. You're right. Would it be a bigger a bigger bet than when you backed the Undertaker? Uh, <laughs> not not quite that bit. Do you want to not tell quite. that story? Have we told that story on the podcast before? I think when... we've told it before, to be honest. I think we've I told wanna... it a couple of times. I want to do it really quickly. Um, I want to do it really quickly because the first time on, it was man. the first time that anyone did any uh, betting on wrestling. I'm trying to work out what wrestling. I remember we launched it on the. Um... Oh, I don't know if it was yeah. on Wrestle... I don't know if it was on Wrestlecast. Or whether it was on um, the one-sided ring. I think it might have been a win one-sided ring. But I had someone from Paddy Power on the podcast. <sighs> Talking us through the matches and the prices and why they were pr- pricing up wrestling for the first time. It, it was WrestleMania 28. Oh yeah, because you'll remember what match it was. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was the second Triple H Undertaker match. Right. Okay. Cool. Yeah, and I saw the odds on Undertaker winning were about one to twenty, which in gambling speak. No, it wasn't even as big. No, it was nowhere near as big as that. It was. No, 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 no. To begin with, that, that was the whole thing. Was they they mistakenly priced oh, it up right. at some something like one to four. Well, when I got it, it was about one to twenty. So basically, oh, okay. guys, that means if you to, to win a pound, you need to stake twenty. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean in, you lose nineteen because you get you would get your twenty back. You so. get your money back. So yeah, if you yeah. if you put twenty quid on, it happens you get twenty one pounds yeah. back in your pocket. Um, so I decided it was a can't miss and scraped my piggy bank dry and put two and a half grand on this outcome. So what did I win? About one hundred and twenty five pounds, hmm. something like that. Anyway, that. did that. Um, but then, you know, fast forward two years and it was Undertaker Lesnar at WrestleMania 30. I thought, oh, I'm going to do this again. At this point, I'd had a little bonus from work, had a bit of spare cash, and I saw this as buying money. So I was I was ready to put serious, serious cash. I was going around to my friends and relatives and saying, look, this is buying money. Just just lump it on. Um, I won't... I, I'll go, I, if I could have got my hands on 20 grand, I'd have put 20 grand on that. Um but I, uh, when I got to put my bet on, when I came to do it, I realised in the meantime they'd uh, implemented maximum stakes 
on WWE about to remember it's 20 or 50 pounds whatever it was about, I think it's about 50 quid now 50 and quid and it's, and it's much less for accumulators as well you can only get like a tenner accumulator on the side right so basically I went oh well that's just not worth it um, so I didn't bother and I was rather pleased to say that I didn't bother when I saw that Undertaker actually lost yeah. genuinely if they'd have not, if Paddy Powers or whoever it was hadn't have put that maximum bet on I'd have lost £20,000 that night. <laughs> and your face would have been a little bit more of a picture than that lad with the glasses on the front row. Yep. So whatever whatever happens at SummerSlam and with England winning, it will not be my biggest money loser on... Oh, no, actually it will, but it could have. It was close to being my second biggest money loser on a WWE pay-per-view ever. So, yeah. My but, bet, in between those two, my bet with... Uh, I've already mentioned it once in the podcast, but uh, hi, Joel Ross, how are you doing? In the words of a CM Punk podcast... Or, uh, pipe bomb um, but uh, I remember Joel um, giving me a call and saying uh, I've heard that Lesnar is coming in they're going to do Lesnar versus Undertaker at Wrestlemania and the whole world was going no they're not going to do this yep it's definitely happening and I went no it's not definitely not and he went yep and we had a bet I think it was 100 quid I'm not absolutely certain how much it was but I think it was about 100 quid uh, he had Lesnar versus Undertaker at Wrestlemania uh, and I said it's not happening and it didn't happen and then the very next night on Raw uh, Brock Lesnar appeared on Raw <laughs> so uh, I, I think I may have even softened to the point where I said that if Undertaker appeared at Re- uh, sorry if, if Lesnar appeared at Wrestlemania I think I even softened that it didn't have to be Undertaker versus Lesnar that if he appeared at Wrestlemania uh, maybe at the very least we'd have called the bet quits or something like that and uh, he appeared on Monday Night Raw and I still won my money so uh, <laughs> happy, happy days well played well anyway, played anyway let's talk about SummerSlam um, because if uh, people, if obviously say if people have been away, actually we've been away. Um, but if uh, if people haven't been uh, tracking our social media, we've already mentioned Facebook and Twitter, which are Paul. Oh God, it's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, no, it's the it's Facebook.com forward slash ho wrestling, and our Twitter is ho underscore wrestling. There you go. And if you've been uh, keeping track of that, and actually people really have been, our our numbers are doing uh, fantastically on on social media just lately. So thank you everyone for uh, not just for the numbers that are following, but for the uh, for the engagement. It's been really cool. Um, but um, that's where we've been starting to drip feed some of our SummerSlam information over. What would we say, Paul? The last sort of week or ten days or so? Uh, not even that really. Last yeah. four or five days. So um, I told you the, these days are all uh, melding into one for me at the moment. Yeah. So, so yeah, the, yeah. what's the, what's the news so far from uh, from well, John HQ? Um, oh, by the way, we shall tell your um, we'll tell your uh, moving for the Wi-Fi story uh, towards the end of the podcast. Don't really forget that. <laughs> I need to get oh, into yeah. that story. That's my hey, favourite story ever. Stay tuned for if you've not if you've not seen what happened on social media on the uh, hooked on wrestling. Was it was it Friday? It was Friday. Friday. And if you want to, if you want to get a feel for it, pause this podcast and search the ha- hashtag "Hooked on the Scrounge." Yeah, check it out. Great fun. We'll check talk about that at the, end, at the end of the show. Um, yeah. Yeah. So to catch everyone up, Paul, if it's not been on our social media, where are we for SummerSlam right now? Well, frankly, guys, we are everywhere. Pretty much the vast majority of places we've been before, we're going to be again. Um, if you went on right now, we haven't launched all our parties yet. But if I'm just, if I just pull my wee list up um, to to give us an idea. So the parties we've launched so far, we've got our uh, flagship party in the Grand. Um, we <coughs> have, <coughs> oh, I'm sorry, Rob. Sorry, Rob. Something in our my throat former, there. Our former Frank's flagship Co. party in the ground, and that Co. is because that is because Rob will actually be moving house 
Rob's going to be moving to our swanky new venue in Canary Wharf. He's going up in going up in the world, and Rob is going to be at Canary Wharf um, Sports Bar and Grill, um, which is also on sale now. Yeah, like I say, we've got uh, the Grand on. We've got um, our VIP party at London Bridge. So we've got three events going on in London, which is great. <laughs> a bit like a, a bit like um, uh, you having a bet on, on on Undertaker. We've got the Grand on. So, uh... <laughs> we, we have. We've got Leeds, um, which is not on sale yet. Actually, we're going to be there. Delighted to be back in Cardiff after missing WrestleMania there. Yes, just, absolutely. We just couldn't make, you know, couldn't make the venues work. Um, back at Walkabout there. We're in Newcastle, Aspers Casino. We're back in Bournemouth at Sharkies. We're in Brighton. We're in Sheffield. We're in Chelmsford. We're in Colchester for the first time. Um, we are in Manchester. We are going to be in, back in Leicester, in Nottingham, in Derby. Uh, Birmingham, Cleethorpes. Um, we're going to be in Ipswich for the first time. In actual fact, there's breaking news, guys. We are going to. We've been asked for a party in that part of the world, the Norfolk, Suffolk part of the world, and we're going to be in Ipswich. Um, give it a go there. We'll see if you guys support it as you say you will. So we'll see. Um, yeah. So we've got quite a lot going on. Um, yeah, it's going to be a busy, busy old couple of months, mate. It really is. And do you know what always makes me um, makes me pleased about how we are supported in various different parts of the world, is that you reeled off at one point there, you reeled off about three or four cities, and I thought, there's about 50 miles between them. You said Leicester and Nottingham and Derby, and I thought, crikey, if someone lives in between all those, you know, yep. they could just oh, they could go to any one of them. But actually, it's pretty cool that we were able to run all those three separately because people are, su- are supporting them all. And uh, so if you were to live, I'm trying to think of someone, my uh, geography's going to let me down, but if you lived in like Market Harbour or something, and uh, you could have your choice of quite a few of them, then... Uh, well uh, you could go to any. That, does that work? I think that's about. It. People now listening that, in. People in Leicestershire, Nottinghamshire, go. That's miles away. I think that kind of works. I think that's the kind of one where that would be between a couple of those places. So, uh, um, that's pretty cool that uh, that we're able to do that. Um, Paul touched on Cardiff. Um, Cardiff was one of the places that we heard of quite a bit from. It was WrestleMania. We didn't go to Cardiff, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. And we heard from people going, "Oh, why aren't you coming to Cardiff? Why, why have you left us out?" It is often not our choice. I don't think we'd ever. Have not do Cardiff out well, of choice absolutely not our choice it's, no. it's, we've had a really really good backing there we've had some great people that have helped us out um, um, they know they are but Luke and Leanne and other people that have helped us out do stuff in in Cardiff um, you know we're very thankful for that and it's a, it's a good little following that we've got and it's sometimes when we go somewhere sometimes we're just giving somewhere a little bit of a rest but oftentimes it's because we just can't make something work so maybe the venue has something else on uh, or maybe there's just, just a, there's often there's a, a, a plethora of things it could be and anyway the pleasing thing is uh, we are back in the walkabout is it Cardiff? it is yeah it is yeah. walkabout I, Cardiff lovely and, venue and indeed we should say uh, it's a good point to uh, to uh, to thank them and indeed some of our other uh, uh, chains and uh, groups that, that help us out because um, because this has gone so mad in terms of you know being so many parties it was not all that long ago it's only t- two or three years ago when we were going we're doing five parties wow <laughs> remember that Paul we were going like we, we might even do six and now it's like 25 and it's uh, seems a bit quaint now but we would it? never be able to do that if it wasn't for uh, uh, for various people at uh, various chains so I'll, I'll let Paul do the specifics because I don't want to uh, say the wrong people but uh, we have had some really really good people manage to help us to uh uh, to achieve this and uh, we're very grateful for it yeah it's been awesome you know specifically shout out to to the Stonegate pub company and everyone there who's helped with the various different brands walkabout and sports bar and grill and whatnot um 
to be honest, there's too many to thank. So I'm not gonna I'm not yeah. gonna shout out everybody, but you all know who you are if you're listening. And thank you very much. And that also goes for the Hooked On team, um, those that uh, that we uh, are on our side of the uh, of the equation, as it were. And that includes hosts. Um, let's do a very, very quick... I don't want to talk about me, but let's do a very quick... There is a reason why I'm going to the new one and why we're doing a London one, Paul. So I'll let you, as the top man, I'll let you explain it rather than me explain uh, why I'm moving across the city. Do you mind if we don't? <laughs> okay. No, fine. I say that. I say that because there's there's some quite interesting news brewing, but it's not quite at a stage where I can cross those T's and dot those I's yet. Ooh, ooh, so I, I, I don't know about this, folks. Yeah, so something so he's keeping from me. I would rather postpone that to our one to our chat next week and be able to give it the full flurry. So ooh, cool. sorry, guys, I'm not being coy. No, you are. Just, no, you I are. Just... But that's fine. That's okay. <laughs> Sometimes you're allowed to be. That's just building intrigue. That's just the, yeah. the little uh, little teaser for next week. Genuinely, I don't know what he means. Right. So when Paul says that, I don't know what he's talking about. Basically, what I was setting up there was the fact that we're trying to do somewhere else in London. Uh, just make it <laughs> make it a new venue that is in a different geographical <laughs> area, and because it's new. Uh, I would be going to the newer one because I've done it lots of times before and the ground is so easy to do that someone else can step in to do it. That was kind of what I was going to say. <laughs> and I was just messing around at the top of that list when we were saying about it being the the, the flagship, co-flagship. I was just uh, just messing around for a little bit of uh, ego stroking. But um, <laughs> as it goes, uh, let's leave that then and go on to... Uh, do you uh, do you want to talk about other other hosts for other, uh, for other venues that you've... Uh, no, because we're still in the process. We're still in the process, of sort of figuring it all out. So let's give it a week or so until things are falling into place. We've got a lot of our regular faces back and a few new names. So we'll uh, we'll talk about it all in due course. Some, Bit early yet. Some of our regular names and some of the uh, people that have helped us out over the uh, the last uh, couple of years have been uh, familiar faces uh, on uh, the WWE. NXT, oh sorry, the WWE UK tournaments that we've had. Yeah, they've recently. had a busy few weeks, haven't they? And they've um, even been involved in uh, the uh, brand new announcement uh, for NXT UK and indeed for uh, for World of Sport Wrestling. So we'll be, uh, we'll be coming on to uh, to those things again later in the show. I kind of feel, Paul, that you're in the chair today. That it's a, I feel this is quite a Paul show. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm almost going to demote you ever so slightly from co-host to guest, but that's actually a good thing. Because it means that I'm going to uh, kind of grill you. I'm going to sports bar and grill you a little bit about uh, <laughs> about some of the uh, the items on today. Because literally that... everything, literally everything on my list here, and there is a list, people. There's every now and again there is a little bit of cohesion to this show. I have a list of topics I want to talk about, and I would say they are all kind of in your wheelhouse. And so what I want to do, because we do get different listeners and uh, and people sign up to this all the time. So just very quickly for those people that don't know you, and I don't need to, I don't need an autobiography at this point. But I want you to just mention to people where your background in wrestling is and where and where you sit right now. Try and do it in about a couple of minutes, but I want people to know why I'm going to defer to you when we're talking about some TV stuff, some MMA stuff, some industry stuff. Okay, so very quickly, my... That's plenty, uh, right. <laughs> no, my background on. is, all, in fact, actually, almost 10 years to... Ten years ago today, I started working with an agency that um, worked on behalf of TNA Wrestling and UFC, selling their international broadcast rights. So that was um, that was my day job for many years, seven or eight years, um, working working with those companies to get their product out of the states and into international markets, which we did really successfully for a number of years. Um, had a great time doing that, um, and then the last couple of years pivoted into digital marketing a bit of sponsorship sales and now i'm 
doing various things. Um, the two most prominent being um, sponsorship sales for Bama, the biggest MMA company in Europe, and their um, head of commercial development. And I also, I suppose a bit of a scoop for a few people on this one, I am heading up the team that is promoting and running the Wrestling Media Con in September in Manchester which is a bit of a new venture for me, but one that's taken up a lot of my time, being very exciting, and I'm, uh, we'll talk about that a lot over the next few weeks because there's some very exciting stuff to drop. Anyway, point being that um, when we talk about our opinions about wrestling and we talk about the old days and we have some fun with that, we're pretty much doing that as two fans, aren't we, mate? Yep. That's kind of yep. like, we've got We've got a little bit of a different insight into the business. Um, I've interviewed a lot of people. Paul's worked around them, but we're essentially fans when we're talking about would you, bro- would you book... You know Braun Strowman as champion, who's going to win money in the bank, all that of kind course. of stuff. That's us being fans. But when it comes to the uh, the promotional side of the business, we have um, we have our experience with Hooked On. That's how we've got to where we are with Hooked On Wrestling. I've got my journalism side of things where I've interviewed a lot of people. But Paul's expertise is very much um, in the publicity, the PR, um, and the uh, and the general sort of um, industry side of things, um, particularly as far as uh, TV and live events go. So. Um, I want to ask you, this is why I bring this up before mm. we talk about um, some of the, the stuff to do with uh, the big UK announcements, because I want to go back to a couple of years ago when World of Sport was first getting back on track. We were going to have a, a one-off special that ended up happening. Uh, and not a dissimilar time did we hear the first rumblings of WWE going to be doing not only a UK tournament, but trying to do more in sure. the UK as a brand. That's when we got the title belt and the first tournament. Um, do you think that those two initial, so forget what's happening right now, but those two initial announcements were linked? Do you think WWE saw World of Sport and thought, we ought to do something? Do you think they were doing something anyway and World of Sport pushed them on? Or do you think maybe it was just a coincidence and those two things started to happen at the same time? No, it was no coincidence. Um, it's a fairly well-known um Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I suppose it's a fairly no, fairly known, well-known situation in that WWE have been looking to expand internationally properly for a number of years. Even you, know, go, you go back 10 years and they had the idea of putting out their feeder systems to international markets, um, having WWE franchises around the world. Didn't fly at the time. I suppose they, they didn't have any anything like NXT. So it, it was always going to look like an inferior product locally. So it never really worked. Obviously, the landscape's changed a lot. And I'm I'm very conscious that WWE have, and particularly uh, Paul Levesque, Triple H, has long your best, been your best mate. on my <laughs> I wish um, has long been keen to to put these plans into place to 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 bring WWE for again WWE franchises to big global markets the UK, Japan, Mexico obviously they're the big three that you think of first of first of all. Um, then World of Sport happened. And it kind of came out of the blue, certainly in the public domain. Kind of came out of the blue to me. I was I was deep in the industry at the time, or very very recently out of it anyway, and and it took me by surprise. Um, and I think what that did is it it sort of concentrated WWE's minds a lot. Um, it went, you know, the 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 repercussions of that probably went right up the chain, and and what was a back burner project that you know. You know the type of project you got at work where it's there's no deadlines. It's 
nobody's screaming in your ear for it to be delivered but it's sitting there on your desk in your to-do pile and you know every time you get a spare hour you'll have a go with it and move it forward i think it went from one of those projects to being priority number one um and i think they got that they moved plans forward very very quickly to 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 counter program essentially world of sport and that's the right thing to do they couldn't let a big player like ITV just waltz straight into the market that they've built because let's remember that WWE have laid the foundations for televised wrestling in this country Um, notwithstanding the huge strength of the independent scene that we've got now and that we had back then 18 months ago um, in terms of televised wrestling WWE were the be all and the end all um, so they had to counterpunch, and luckily they had this project in the pipeline that they could they could just drag forward a bit. So yeah, long long story short, yeah, I think that's um, that's how it worked out. No coincidence involved there at all. Terrific answer. I'm going to keep on keep on kind of questioning you about this, but some some more short form answers. Not that that wasn't a great answer. I really enjoyed that, but I've just got a couple of questions that I'd like you to be quite punchy on. Okay. Um, you worked. Um, essentially for TNA, okay, with another agent. You were work for another agency, but TNA were your client. Yes. Um, when T- I know it's Impact Wrestling now, everyone, but it was TNA very much back then. Um, when you worked with TNA, they would often trumpet how large their audience was in the UK. Um, yep. At times, Impact was watched by more people than Monday Night Raw. Um, first of all, every week. Was yeah, was that true? Yes, hundred um, percent. It wasn't a level playing field. Obviously, we we were in the business of massaging the figures and making ourselves look as good as possible. It was very true that week in, week out, without fail, Impact beat Raw in the ratings. However, the caveat, to that, the massive caveat to that is that Impact Wrestling, TNA, was available in practically every household in the country. Challenge TV was on Freeview, is on Freeview still, so pretty much everybody could watch it, and it was at a very reasonable, watchable time slot. I think it was Sunday nights at nine. I think it, I know it is now. Uh, well, no, it was then. I think it was always that or there or thereabouts. Whereas Raw was on on a Monday evening at one o'clock on pay TV. Only a small percentage of the population in the UK had Sky Sports. Um, I don't know what the numbers are on that, but it's obviously way, way smaller than those that have got Freeview. So no, it was not a level playing field. If if all parts had been equal, goes without saying, Raw would have smashed impact pieces week in week out but the sheer facts of the numbers are that impact outrated raw in the uk they had more eyeballs every week good okay that's that's i wasn't necessarily getting into the uh, um the, the intricacies on, on how it was achieved but it was it, the fact the thing is it's a fact yep. whether it's um, it's a braggadocio fact whether it's a fair fact or not it's a little bit like saying you know if uh I don't know. You could say, well, more people go to McDonald's every week than they go to Burger King. And you go, oh, well, that's not fair because there's twice as many McDonald's as Burger King. And he goes, well, it doesn't matter. The fact yeah. is, more people go to one than the other. So, um, UK was such a huge um, secondary base for TNA in the sense that they would go do house shows in quite big cities in America and be happy to draw four or 500 people. Yeah. And then they'd come over here, run three shows and do like 2,000 in Cardiff, 2,000 in Glasgow, 3,000, 4,000 in Manchester, seven or 8,000 legit in London, correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the the absolute legitimate record they have ever had for a show, ever, was the 8,500 they drew to Wembley. I forget the year. I'm pretty certain it was the year that Doug Williams took on Ric Flair. Yeah, it about um, 12 or 13, I think. Was that about what it was? Okay, yeah, that, was, so. that was 8,500 legit. 
Um, and it looked you were you were there last that night, Rob, and I'm sure I actually wasn't. Was, uh, I actually wasn't. I missed really? that. Really? Yeah, well, no, I okay. was. Yeah. I think I've been almost. I think every show they ran at Wembley, I was at a part. Okay, that. okay. Well, that's a shame. But yeah. it was, it was, it looked spectacular, and they had a good run. You know, that you know the, the names they brought over to headline those tours were spectacular, and they really made a great fist of it for a lot of years. And obviously, that went pear shaped in the end. But even when they did their last tour, when they had uh, Lashley and Kurt Angle as the big attractions mm-hmm. still did respectably well yeah Funny I went enough, to a show I, I went to a show at Birmingham a couple of thousand yeah. yeah I didn't go to that one that was my last that was the first tour after I dipped out of the business and that's the only one I ever missed I went to that one for one particular reason because I wanted to see what was potentially Kurt Angle's last ever match in the UK yeah I yeah. think he actually came back and worked indie dates and he did, worked, he did, did. work here again but I thought if that was going to be Kurt's last match in the UK uh, I, I really wanted to see it, so that was a that was a cool thing for me. Um, one more question about TNA. There's a reason why I'm doing this. Um, is it true that at one point, and we don't need to go into too many details about when, but is it true at one point it was mooted that TNA might move its business to London? Mooted, yeah, yeah. I don't think it ever got serious. I don't think there was any you know feasibility studies done or any serious investment done in in working out whether it was viable or not. But yeah, it was it was serious, um, and it was discussed. And then even when when all the sh- I won't go into this because it's not right to. But no, I don't want you. I don't know, want you to go into no, detail because it's something not, we, we need to be professional all, with. All, all the shenanigans when um, when the 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 crap hit the fan with Panda Energy and Dixie and uh, Billy Corgan and whatnot. We all know the story there, or many of us do. Um, there was an, a possibility then that there was a very small possibility for a short amount of time that impact tna whatever you might call it might have actually become a british company oh so that's actually quite a bit after the peak though isn't it that's yeah like, the, the, the company yeah. was a lot very much on the downslope by then definitely but as you say like yes there was there was certain people within the company that were really pushing hard some for genuine business reasons some for their own personal agendas to move the company over to the uk and like i say it never got to the point where you could say oh this is a pos- genuine possibility here but it was discussed on a semi-regular basis. The the main reason I've pushed you for those bits of information, obviously Paul has great insight into uh, into how, what the, the landscape was like behind the scenes at TNA. And the fact is that when companies will come at... Listen, I bet when Triple H... I'm not knocking Triple H for this, but I bet when he's in India, he's in China, he's in Saudi Arabia, he's in Canada, Mexico, Japan, you know, Liechtenstein, I bet wherever he is, he tells the crowd, you know, what an important overseas... You know, crowd sure. they are and how fantastic they are and number two behind the United States or whatever. I bet he says it to a lot of people. I don't blame him for doing that. It's just good business. I'm not knocking him. Um, but I, when so when TNA would come over here and they would tell us that you know outside of the United States, the UK is our number two. We're going to try and have a pay per view over here one day. Blah blah blah. It was true, wasn't it? It wasn't. It yeah. wasn't. I mean, it was obviously flim flam. Crowds like hearing that, but that doesn't make it untrue. And the point is, is that when it comes to WWE having a legitimate constant product over here as well as something like World of Sport being able to get onto national television and let's face it there are other small wrestling companies in this country that are on television even if it's local Freeview or right at the very bottom of the dial Freeview uh, or even the over the top um, you know product method these days like the WWE Network there are um, companies in the UK that do that kind of thing so yep. all of that you know, and coupled with the, the you know the really big push from TNA, it shows what's there is what I'm getting at. And to you, yes, what I'm asking you is, do you think this comp this country could sustain 
World of Sport being on ITV regularly, a WWE UK, and a really thriving international uh, sorry um, territory system in the UK. Mate, it's a really it's a it's a good question. It's a big question. Um, I well, I remember when the World of Sport special was on New Year's Eve, and um, I know what ITV's expectations were on that show, and those expectations. Do you mean in terms of ratings? In terms of ratings, yeah. yeah. Those expectations were never going to be met. Not in a million years. To give you an idea of context, they were hoping for a number that was bigger than what Raw gets in the US. Okay. Uh, what, a, really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So a 20-plus-year-old a, a show on primetime television um, in a country as large as the States, it was never going to happen. Um, obviously, that you know, lessons have been learned. But I think if... If you if their target was to just monetize and attract the existing wrestling fan base in the UK, then is the big enough for a successful national terrestrial TV vehicle, a WWE vehicle, and an independent scene? No, no. Okay. There's not there's not enough people out there to do that to sustain the numbers that a company like ITV would need. Now, what they need to do is use this opportunity, this shop window this talent to make new wrestling fans and that's what IT and that's why obviously WWE are always going to be super competitive with any company that's perceived as a rival and I get that and that's the same with any industry in the world but I really wish in this instance they'd maybe take a quick step back and smell the coffee because uh, under this I'm working on this assumption let, let's say they're, they're not going to be able to get a terrestrial TV deal I don't know whether they can or not I don't know where the discussions have been but let's assume for a moment that a terrestrial TV deal in the UK is not on the table for sorry, WWE sorry. UK okay, you're, talking, you're talking about for the new NXT for NXT yeah I could be way wrong they might announce tomorrow that they're on BBC One on prime time you know what I mean they won't but you know what I mean before you get, um, deep, before you get deeper quick question because it'll be in people's minds yep. would there be some sort of um uh, clause in Sky's contract that if there's any more WWE programming in the UK, it would have to be on Sky. Well, Sky won't like it. I don't know. I don't, obviously, I'm not. I'm not seeing the ins and outs of their contract. Um, it could be. It could well be in there. It could be that Sky has to have first refusal on it. Mm. Um, it could there be. Was an, there was an issue, was there not, when TNA? Well, sorry, when Challenge, when when Bravo disappeared and Challenge became under the Sky banner, that was quote unquote a challenge to get TNA on there, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, ended up in a legal battle actually. Um, but yeah, um, so yeah, let's assume that WWE aren't going to get that TV deal. What they really need to understand is that if they're showing NXT UK in a fairly niche way, they're also showing their program in the UK on Sky Sports. Again, it's not a massive shop window. It's it's good, but it's not ubiquitous. If they're getting, you know, a million plus people tuning in to watch wrestling at five o'clock on a Saturday evening and that and that program's successful those fans that become wrestling fans because they watch it at five o'clock on a Saturday aren't just going to stop there we know what we're like you know how easy it is to consume and find content nowadays those young kids who discover wrestling through world of sport five o'clock on a Saturday they're going to go right we like that what's out there and they don't have to scratch very far to go and find WWE so what WWE should be doing is hoping and praying that World of Sport exists and World of Sport succeeds massively because that's just going to create more fans for the whole thing. And Brilliant. what WWE should do for themselves is back 
themselves and whether you believe this or not whether it happens or not it's purely mainly opinion but WWE should and will believe that their product is superior to World of Sport and if they can do that then they should know that any fans created by World of Sport they can bring them in to become WWE fans and if they're confident in that and and they're willing to put their money where their mouth is so to speak they should be they should be praying that ITV creates more fans because they will benefit brilliant I don't want to spend forever on this but I've got a few more follow ups I'm fascinated by your insight this is really interesting to me um, and I should stress for the uh, for, for you the listeners me and Paul haven't actually spoken about this so I'm, this is, a, this nope. is a me finding out stuff from him um, therefore you know when we talk about Nitro and Raw being on at the same time and when they were in the midst of their battle, say, 98, 99 or so, 98, I think, probably the key year, Yeah. there were more fans watching wrestling then than at any other time in the business, and they were talking about shows that were head-to-head. Yep. Um, now there's only one of them, and the audience is much, much lower. Different time, different, different place, all sorts of things, but the fact is, there being more competition does not necessarily mean you're going to get fewer people. You know, to use that same analogy as before, if a town has a McDonald's and say a, a thousand people use it a week just because the Burger King appears across the w- a road doesn't mean that 500 people are going to go to each if anything more people are going to come into the town and you might get you know a couple of thousand using both because people now know that that town has a couple of those places that's a bit of a rushed um, simile but that's the a metaphor I should say but that's the uh, that's the kind of thing is if there is if there is a, a knowledge that the UK has plenty of good wrestling whether it's going to see shows, whether it's watching it on television, Sky, ITV, whatever, interest will breed interest. You are not necessarily only going to watch one and not the other. It's going to be good for... What I'm saying is that some people would go, if NXT UK exists, it's going to stomp on everything else. That's not necessarily the case, is it? Absolutely not, no. You know, WWE... First of all, competition is best for everybody everybody in you know in in most walks of business if a, if if there is enough custom potentially out there and the companies involved have a good product and are well run competition should be welcomed the cus- the consumer especially benefits from it because it, it you know what's that term about um sharpening knives you know um it escapes me in a minute but you know it it, it makes it keep steel steel sharpens steel doesn't it and and if there's two big companies competing for fans out there it makes them work that much harder and make make them that much more appealing so that's good um, but no you, you've only got to look at if NXT, if NXT comes in with a fairly limited shop window I'm going to assume for this moment that it's going to be on the network I'm making a very big assumption now I'm not sure whether that's going to be true let's, let's, let's assume that it is there's a huge difference in the business models and the shop windows that both products have got. ITV's mass market. ITV needs to attract a big audience, a young audience, a new audience. WWE needs to cater to the niche with NXT. It needs to literally what the network is about is preaching to the converted. Um, these OTT networks, over-the-top networks, subscription channels like Netflix, they're fantastic for sports like WWE, for like NFL, but they're not making new fans because they're not they're hidden away and you have to pay to access that content what they are is amazing platforms to monetize us people who are listening to this people who are already fans you'll pay for that but there's nobody can just 
stumble upon NXT UK on that sort of platform or indeed NXT or anything else they need an ITV to, to lead people in in fact I wouldn't be surprised if WWE are looking at the feasibility of taking out bloody adverts during World of Sport mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know whether it would be possible probably not ITV are probably a bit more canny than that but I, I'm sure they're looking at it um, advertising their tours advertising their merch they'd be mad not to Oh, I, have a, I have a million questions that are coming off of this. I'm just I'm trying, to make, I'm trying to not make this segment go too long, and I've got so many questions. Um, a couple of them are, are statements, so I'll try and get through those. Um, yep. When you're talking about people not being able to find things on the network, it's what you're talking about is if people are flicking through the telly, happen to come across it, and this is all TV. So if you're flicking around one day and you land on the new ITV drama, the new BBC comedy, the new Channel 4 documentary, whatever it might be, and you land on it and you watch it and you go, oh, that was pretty good. I'll, you know, Sky Plus it, watch it again in the future. You can't do that with, you know, WWE Ride Along. Quite. You know what I mean? It's like you, you have to have the network. That's kind of what you're saying, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, th- my second point on onto that is that um, it's interesting um, that the, um, that you would have, you know, that kind of, if if that's their idea to have it just on the network. Do you think they would geo? Um, I don't know what the exact phrase is, but they would geo it so you could only watch it on the UK version of the network, or would they? They put can't. It on? They can't at the moment. They can't do that. Um, and that's kind of my big. That is my big hunch for the why I think it might go on the network because they can't geo block it country to country. It's got to be on all countries. So if they wanted to show it in the state, if the, if the fans in the states wanted it on the network, it has to be on the network in the UK as well. Right, okay. Um, and there's ways and means around that. It's been, you know, our fans in the US going to be that bothered if their NXT UK episodes are a month out of date. No, probably they're not. They're launching it. Probably not, no. So you could essentially have it on a broadcast television station here going out, you know, on a weekly basis as fresh content and then put it on the network a month later for international consumption <laughs> and on the UK. But no, you can't. they can't geoblock on their existing platform. Three, uh, three more questions. Um, the fact that um, football, okay, we said we weren't going to talk too much about football, but I'm not talking about England playing 3-5-2, I'm talking about business here. Yep. The big talk when all the football um, rights was being talked about over the summer uh, in terms of Sky, BT Sport, etc., um, was for the first time we were learning about people like Amazon trying to buy football, Sure. about Netflix trying to buy football, Facebook. Um, we've never heard that before. That's the first time that's ever happened. And I believe, I think one of them, I think it's Amazon, is it, that have got one of the blocks of the football? They've got two blocks, yeah. And they're going to do like two weekends, aren't they? So it's going to be like you can watch any of the games or or something like that. So it's really interesting to see that for the first time, OTT delivery is getting involved in the biggest sport on earth. Yeah, but that's an important, it's an important distinction. And this does relate potentially to WWE. It's an important distinction that you make there that Amazon have bought two blocks. So rather than showing, say, a game a week, they've bought two full blocks of 10 games each. So 20 games in total over two weekends. Both of those games, both of those blocks, sorry, are in late December, early January, I think. Which is not coincidentally Amazon's peak time for pushing Prime. Now, when you look at the Premier League, I was just talking to a friend today about how the Premier League are the smartest sports organisation on earth. They put those packages together before anyone, you know, before publicly anyone got to discuss those packages and got to tender for those packages. They put those packages. They were they were always going to be for December. So what I mean is that those packages were always supposed to tempt Amazon. Okay. 
those packages were probably designed with Amazon in mind. They probably discussed it with Amazon beforehand. They'd probably bought them off the bat. But the point is, Amazon aren't using the Premier League at this time as a means to become a broadcast network. They're using Premier League to sell more Prime subscriptions. Of so people buy more stuff over Christmas, which is a very important distinction to make because a company like Facebook or Netflix or whatever else that might be potentially interested in wrestling are very different business models. Amazon could well flip that over very quickly and you might see that Amazon becomes a true and obviously they've got the prime network but in terms of sport they're they at the moment they're tending to go for events that are um, quite self-contained um, US Open Tennis um, is the one that springs to mind there's a couple more but by and large they're not things that go string throughout the year so WWE probably wouldn't be of massive interest to them whereas then you look at um, Facebook and they had that again self-contained WWE series that what was it called Mixed Match Challenge your yeah. baby mm. um, so that. you did indeed mm. so I think that if, if if those networks were to get involved Amazon specifically you'd see a very different method of presenting and packaging content from WWE to, to appeal to them directly just like the Premier League's done of course, all this is being talked about. We're not going to go into depth on this at all, but all this is being talked about uh, in the shadow of WWE getting a huge, huge deal in America as well. Yeah. Um, with Fox, with um, with SmackDown, with it being you know broadcast television rather than cable, all all sorts of things, and it's huge money as well, isn't it, Paul? We're talking big, big money over there. So whatever whatever your theory might be about WWE's product right now or over the last little while their uh, bottom line their numbers their share prices tell you that that's, that company is about as successful as it's ever been in their history right now oh correct, it's correct? not oh um, to a factor of multiples it's um, no indisputably financially WWE has never even come close to being in as good a position as they are now and that you can be happy about that or not because what that essentially means and this is putting it very bluntly and um, you know there's a lot of creativity and nuance that goes into this but ultimately their method of giving us content i.e. whether you you know if you like what WWE presents now or not they've been proved right Mm -hmm. okay you know their business model how they've been doing things for the past few years has won so massive pat on the back to them huge in fact they've done you know tremendously well to get into this position but the point is we can as fans can complain and bitch and moan as we love to do it's almost a sport for us all isn't it um, and I don't I, I include us very much in that as well um, they know they know better than we do because at the end of the day it's a business and WWE's business has never been better it's just different how it's not as visible it's not built on ratings it's not built on attendance anymore there's different metrics that we don't necessarily see um, and they are paying absolute dividends literally we're going to wheel back around to that in just a second because I'm going to use it as a as a segue to our next topic. But before we do, just two more things on the, uh, on the UK side of things. Um, I think this is the most important one. Uh, excuse me. I think this is the most important one. It is not WWE UK. Nope. This is WWE NXT UK. Why, Paul, have they decided to brand it not as its own UK thing, not as a WWE directly brand, not as something brand new? Why have they gone NXT UK? I think a couple of reasons, really. Um, One reason is because 
this is going to appeal initially again it goes back to what we were saying earlier against mass market versus niche audience WWE are clearly aiming this at the existing fan base initially and that existing fan base is very burnt out on mainstream WWE programming you know it's a lot of people are saying you know maybe it's not what it was maybe it's not quite to our taste those same fans lap up anything that's got those three yellow letters on because NXT is a cool brand that delivers what they want so by branding it NXT consciously or subconsciously immediately WWE are saying to these hardcore fans guys this is for you this is a product for you this is not the mainstream Vince McMahon vision of WWE this is NXT we're going to get classic booking we're going to get wrestlers you love to see early on in their career it's 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 smart it's really smart and the other reason is um, WWE like any entertainment like any company really has got certain brand values and if you slap the letters WWE onto something it has to reach a certain level of production value a certain size of arena a certain look and if it doesn't then it brings that brand down NXT doesn't have that problem NXT by its very nature is allowed to exist with lesser production values not bad production values far far from it we've all seen um, a weekly television show and seen those takeovers they look amazing but they don't quite look like WWE shows they have shows that take place at centre stage in Atlanta they tape at full sale they tape at access at Wrestlemania so you're allowed to get away with a lot more now these tapings for NXT UK they're not the most glamorous places they're at you know, Cambridge Corner Exchange some dirty little town on the south coast <laughs> they're at Insomnia Gaming Festival at the Liverpool Olympia have you been to the Liverpool Olympia? I know you have Rob I definitely it, have yeah it is I, I love it as a, a live wonderful venue, but... venue it's wonderful but it's grotty it's horrible it's freezing cold and it doesn't look great on TV by making an NXT product none of those things matter NXT is meant to be rough and ready and it lends to that brand rather than takes away from it. The, They're Liverpool, the, reasons. the Liverpool Olympia is not dissimilar from the Grand in Clapham where we do our no, um, it really is do our parties. It's got a similar no. sort of. Um, did you know, by the way? I think it was uh, the first series of Taskmaster that they filmed the uh, the interior stuff in the in the Grand. Did you know that? I did not know that. I only found out this week. Anyway, um, that's 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 irrelevant. Um, uh, one more one more strand, and I'm going to a couple of sub questions before I get to the main one. There's a reason I asked you about NXT. Uh, rather than WWE. Um, so a couple of sub-questions before I get to the main last one. Um, Paul, when you were working for TNA, um, what was their uh, audience in terms of demographics in the UK specifically? What was the sort of key age ranges, either what they were getting, what they were going for, mixture of both? Uh, do you know, it was really old. It was okay. I can't remember the exact figures, but um, it was much older than you'd, you'd expect, and it was older than WWE's as well. It was didn't help that it was on challenge um and challenge had a, a naturally older audience okay. anyway sure um but it was it was it was 40 plus people uh, okay. 40 year old plus as their main demographic and i know wrestling as a demographic is getting older um as as a tv property WWE is the same which suggests the reason for dwindling fan the dwindling fan base is because we're not being replenished at the top there's us guys who are sticking with it and getting older and the, the, the churn isn't there the younger fans aren't coming to fill fill those gaps as the older ones go um, that's not happening but yeah TNAs did skew slightly older than WWEs as, um, as I believe Nitros did Nitros was a lot older than did Rose, it wasn't I'm it? not yeah. sure 
the Nitros was much older than Raw. It was more the the sort of um, people that had stuck around from the old NWA days kind of st- stayed um, stayed truer to, to WCW, whereas WWE tended to attract the new fans. So when Nitro grew, they took fans from WWE or from WWF, obviously it was then, uh, and kept their own audience. But when the new fans came along, they all watched Raw. I think that's the kind of that's yep. the the idea anyway, but uh, not necessarily all, of course. But that was the the rough thing about it. Um, just by by it being forty plus, does that factor in families? I mean, obviously, if you're talking about um, if you're trying to get say ten year olds to watch, um, the average you know f- parent of a ten year old is probably going to be somewhere in there you know, late 30s, aren't they? Late 30s, early yes. 40s or whatever. I'm talking, not judging anyone here, folks. I'm talking averages. But, um, well, you're, what's your boy now? Four. So by the time you're last yeah. 10, you're going to be about 40. So I think that's a, a sort of a fair a fair estimate that, you know, the, the parents of, of 10-year-olds are going to be 40. Does that factor in, does the, the fact that there's an older group, does that not factor in the fact that there will be more kids watching that? No, I don't really think so. No? I, I think the... Um... Certainly, the times that these programs are on, the the notion of family viewing is a bit of a myth. Okay. Especially nowadays, you know, the the audience is so fragmented, and you know, you look at a typical family now, and they're not even watching the same screen, never mind the same programming. So, no, I don't Very think that's a factor. Very fair point. Okay. What it brings me to is um, my main question here, which is something I'm picking up on from what you said when you were talking about ITV and what they'd be looking for for World of Sport, and you kept saying younger viewers. You kept saying that. Um, they would be after a young audience. They would be wanting uh, kids to watch that didn't obviously watch uh, World of Sport the first time around. I mean, I didn't watch World of Sport World first time around. And I'm in my mid 30s, but I'm saying that you were t- very specifically talking about a young kids audience. So, uh, w- from what you know, are you saying ITV would be actively trying to get what eight to 15 year olds, 10 to 18 year olds, 16 to 21? What would they be looking at? I'd say they should be. Now, I'll preface this by saying I, I've I've seen not a second of footage other than the promo that we've all seen, which was spectacular, by the way. Really liked it. I have not I have not seen a second of footage. I have not deliberately not had conversations. I I work very closely with a lot of the people who who are very closely involved in this project. I also work quite closely with WWE. I've deliberately not found out a lot about this project because if I don't know about it I can't accidentally let anything slip and that's okay. genuine answer that's genuine you know I've said that to a lot of people I don't I only things I want to know are stuff that absolutely directly concerns me and my business everything everything else is hearsay so I, I don't know very, I learn very little by choice okay. um, but what I do know is that they're putting it and it's just announced today I think that it's going to start on the 28th of July um, at 5 o'clock on a Saturday that's a young time slot. That's the sort of thing where you get, um, you know, Ninja Warrior, or yeah, that's the one that springs to mind, and, and and programs like that. That's that is a family time slot. You know, I I tell you, you know, that is a time when families can watch together because they were having their having their evening meal or whatever, um, and they will be going for a younger time so they, if, if, if they weren't going for a younger viewership they would not put it on at that time you could watch that no problem at 10 years old on a Saturday can't you it's like well do you remember when you were kids I know you were a little bit younger than me but that was that was when A-Team was on that was when Airwolf was on that was what we all used to sit and watch at that time on ITV I wasn't I wasn't allowed to watch ITV <laughs> too common too common I used to watch, used to watch Bob's Full House on BBC One <laughs> no seriously well, no, no you're right you're right I would watch I would absolutely watch tea time 
Saturday evening viewing. Yes, without one, yeah. I'd watch Grandstand, and then whatever came on after Grandstand, it was usually TV quizzes. It, these days, it's things like Celebrity Pointless. Exactly. Uh, so on, on BBC One, it was always sort of light-hearted quizzes to me on BBC well, B- One. BBC BBC One's a bit different, and it really is that we won't go into it. But BBC One's a very different animal on a Saturday night, by and large, with with few exceptions over the years. BBC has never really tried to court that early evening family audience. Right. There's been a few exceptions, so people will be shouting out "Hole in the Wall," yeah, the voice like that. Yeah. yeah, but that's that was a long time ago. Now it's, yeah. I the the young family demographic is very much the domain of ITV okay. on a Saturday. Um, do you know what? I'm going to contradict myself there. I'm talking absolute horse because there are things like Merlin, don't they, on BBC and um, Doctor Who and things like that. So it's more that they just go for the drama rather than the quiz shows is what I actually meant. I'm, I'm actually going to totally rescind that point <laughs> and say and say that ITV is more in the sort of entertainment area on a side. It's more accurate. Is what I, I'm saying. I don't think that was a str- I didn't think that was a strange comment, but yeah, because I, I think that is a very very key because that's the only time yeah. in the week where the kids have been around all, all day and it's it's somewhere where. You, but, but I think your your point previously about not watching the same screen is a very fair one because parents can just carry on and watch you know whatever's going on while while the little kid sticks the earphones in and watches something yeah. on the iPad, so it yeah. doesn't really necessarily mean anything. Um, finally, what I'm, what I'm really trying to get at is we are assuming that if World of Sport gets on and, and NXT gets on, let's say NXT does go on, let's let's, let's stick it on Channel 4 yep. at, at 9 o'clock on a, a Sunday, right? Doesn't okay. matter when. doesn't matter when it is, but let's assume it's on broadcast TV, let's assume they've got a time slot of their choice on the same audience platform um, as World of Sport. We're almost certainly not going to get anything like the same sort of show, are we? No. This is this is the not. point. We are just going UK wrestling, WWE independent show. Therefore, it's going to be the same. I just think ITV cannot go anywhere. They cannot begin to try to present the same sort of show. You know, as, as if we assume that NXT UK follows the pattern of NXT generally in terms of those kind of you called it old school wrestling but it's the very best of old school wrestling yes yeah, yeah. you know the, the old school psychology the simplicity of the storytelling but we're not talking about old school wrestling matches we're talking about very modern you know developing lots of different styles fast paced you know a different type of wrestling to what you would see just on raw let alone on on you know older WWE so i think you know they're going to try and go after the wrestling audience that exists as you say, because the very fact they're calling themselves NXT suggests that they want to translate the NXT audience. And I think if you're going for a family audience, you're going to very much play up the bigger characters, the bright lights. You're not going to have so much focus on matches as you are on drama. I think, I think World of Sport, if they're going to have a, a, um, a sort of a method, a kind of a, a blueprint, as it were, I think it probably should be Saturday night's main event. I think that's probably what they should be going for, don't you? Where it's that kind of yeah, absolutely. When WWF had that chance to once in a while go on, what was what channel was it on? Was it on NBC? NBC, because NBC. So they would go on NBC, and this was that once in a while, wasn't it? When Saturday Night Live wasn't on or something. Yep. And you could come on, and you had this brand new audience to show, and but you showed them Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant and Macho Man Randy Savage and. It was. It was the. If you go back and watch those old shows, they're totally different to say primetime wrestling and WWE super, WWF superstars, aren't they? It's a, it's a different completely, type of completely. presentation. It's almost like a mini pay per view. 
uh, and the fact that World of Sport is going to be a limited run World of Sport when it comes on is not going to be on for 51 weeks of the year it's going to be a little series isn't it so they, they can make it almost like 10 or 12 little pay-per-views is it going to be an hour yes so yeah. I think that's, even then I think that's a bonus for them Agreed. So NXT's focused on, on the network because it's an hour. Raw isn't because it's three and we have to get through everything and it's an arena show. Whereas World of Sport can be much more focused and try and get everything into an hour and spin it off over all that amount of time. I think you go for the Saturday night main event model and you try and do it that way and you and it's all more it's more about razzmatazz than it is wrestling but if you can put some really good wrestling matches in from time to time that's just fine. But I just I don't think it's going to be the same product. I don't think it's going to oh, go for the same audience. I wholeheartedly agree. And if you're talking about the difference between WOS looking at a broad, trying to attract a new broad audience, and NXT trying to cater, NXT UK trying to cater to that built-in audience already, you even structure the programs differently. So, of course, you've got different themes. And, and WOS will be a lot more light-hearted, a lot more accessible brighter probably we can sell that from just the branding you just need to look at the logos of the two products to see that NXT uh, WS is going to be a lot brighter well, it's really it really be. ITV isn't it definitely it's and really it's, it's, factory it's, it's... and it should be although they, you know they went too far the other way with the pilot the other the, the, that pilot was too far towards X Factor uh, Ninja Warrior all that sort of thing I assume and I understand that that served a real purpose that pilot they learned a lot of lessons and they worked out where the happy medium is I'm di- I'm dying to see this show because I've heard such good things about it but uh, it will be a very broad product and we should make no apologies for that because that guys is what's going to sustain the industry we love if we keep it to ourselves and just keep what we want throughout the whole of all of the wrestling media um our industry, as as any would, will eventually die. You need to make a products that are out there to attract new fans, and I think this is what WS will excel at doing. Um, and going back to your point about, and, and it's a good one about the Saturday Night Main Event model. Do you remember one thing that was very different about the structure of a Saturday Night's Main Event? The main event matches were on first. Bingo. And do you know why that is? I know you know, but I'll explain to our, our <laughs> audience anyway. Yeah, yeah. Basically, when you watch a television show and you're flicking through, especially in the States where there's no advert break between the end of um, the previous program and the start of the new one. That's a really um, important point. People forget that about the States. You're right. Yeah, one sh- one show often on. goes straight into the next. It flows on. And it's a smart move. We should do it here. I don't know why we don't. Um, that's another story. Now, if you're a fan who's not knowing what what's what, um, you will watch the first match and you want to be blown away by that first match. And if you like what you see there, you will stick around. Um, Do you know what's the example for that? We, we've, I can think of a show that I always watch the first five minutes of. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, it's very easy to get around this by looking in your listings. Go on. But I would watch a show and it would come on Big Red Book, Michael Aspel. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is your lifestyle. I like this is your life. And they, they then surprise someone from a band I'd never heard of. I don't think I'll watch this. I think I'll flick it over. Oh, who are they doing? Yeah. They're doing, I don't know, Bradley Walsh. Oh, I like him. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll watch that one. This is your life. Always watch the first five minutes. And then when it's someone you didn't like, flick it over. Bad example, because these days everyone knows what's on. You know, you, you've yeah, yeah. I know, I know what you mean, though. And that's, and, that, and that's the difference. There's so many differences in what they're trying to achieve. So if you're trying to build a traditional wrestling show and, and attract 
the hardcore wrestling fan like NXT UK will be, you build a traditional wrestling show. You build it like an episode of Raw or a pay-per-view. If you want to build a new wrestling audience from people who've never seen wrestling before, you have your big guns out there early. You have guys that look completely superhuman. Like the first act I ever saw, the first wrestler I ever saw on TV, the first first wrestlers were Legion, the Legion of Doom, mm. and they grabbed my attention. And you know that was more years ago than I care to admit. Twenty seven years ago, they've still got my attention. But if that first act I'd have happened to glance to on television was Tito Santana, I probably wouldn't have looked twice. Well, even, good. even then, it depends what era. Of, Tito Santana of Strike Force, no. El Matador. Uh, I'm talking Tito specifically in his white trunks and yeah. his red t shirt. But um, that's one of the reasons why people go, oh, why did they change him to El Matador? Well, that's why. Exactly, that's why. That's why. Because kids kid see a bloody matador. Well, they were in a brand building phase at the time. And they were smart. WWE goes in cycles. In that time, 91, 92, they were in a phase of trying to build new fans. So every gimmick, every wrestler was intended to to, to capture and keep new eyeballs. World of Sport needs to keep... Sorry, I keep calling it World of Sport. I shouldn't. It's WOS Wrestling. Should keep that oh, in mind. Oh, is that right? Is that right? It is, yeah. It's WOS Wrestling. Yeah, I only right. found that out myself last week. Um, okay, I want to come back to that, but carry on. Yeah, but they should they should keep that in mind because they... And, I, and I'm sure they have there's a lot of smart guys involved there um, and they, they need to make Johnny 8 year old who's flicking through the TV on a Saturday afternoon because he's allowed to and he's got control he needs to make him stop what he's doing and take heed of what's going on in that ring um, and I think I've got my gut feeling is they're going to accomplish this I really do think it's going to be great um, yes because I think you're your average eight or nine year old that needs their head turned and this is absolutely not a knock on the person um, but they are not going to be blown away by Adam Cole correct because Adam Cole looks like you know he, he could be one of the or he could be one of the lads in, in, in sort of like the lower six or something he's just yeah. a, a good looking lad and he's got a little bit of charisma but you wouldn't necessarily go wow would you to meet him I mean listen Adam Cole's a great wrestler I'm not knocking Adam Cole. He's got a huge fan base. I am knocking the I am knocking the fact that he doesn't know if he's a babyface or a heel. But that's a that's a topic for another day. <laughs> um, I can't stand heels with catchphrases. Um, but uh, nor, nor who do what the fans ask them to. But anyway, go on. Yeah, indeed. That's totally another day. But he's a very very talented lad. I just want to point that out. But uh, I'm saying that he is never almost no one in fact on NXT, with the exception of maybe Velveteen Dream and one or two others maybe that have got these over-the-top entrances are going to be any sort of eye-catching whoa, that's different because most of them are just good wrestlers and you watch yep. it Johnny Gargano turns no heads but he's one of the best wrestlers on the planet if that is the NXT model if, if it's going to be I'm going to use Adam Cole and, and say someone looks vaguely a little bit like him I'm going to say someone like Mark Haskins who I think is a fabulous wrestler. I've always liked Haskins. I think he's better now than he's ever been. He's still young. I think he's still in his 20s. Um, he turned 30 last week. Oh, did he? Okay, there we go. Happy we'll birthday, we'll Mark. Pretend that we recorded this a week ago. Um, <laughs> I love Haskins. I think he's absolutely great. And he's probably got another 10, 12 years if he stays. I know he's had some health issues. He took some time out. But if he stays fit and healthy, he's got a very long career left ahead of him. And if, and if all this takes off, he's the kind of person that it could be a benefit most directly. But I'm saying that a kid is not going to get their head turned by Mark Haskins. Nope. Because he's uh, just that's not his gimmick. If he ends up in NXT UK, 
he probably could be their champ for five years. He's that good if they wanted to do it. But they would have their heads turned by Dave Mastiff. Ah, they would because Dave Mastiff looks very different. Yeah. And there are very, and they would buy El Leguero. Yeah. And it's like you need to have the right kind. And listen, El Leguero could also do well in NXT UK as could Mastiff. We're not saying one is unique to the other. No. Kids look at things in very very simple terms, and they will not learn the nuances of um. I would think that your average eight or nine year old that quite likes Monday Night Raw and who likes Roman Reigns, who likes Braun Strowman and who likes whoever would have watched Tyler Bate versus Pete Dunne and after about 15 minutes were probably just pissing around on their, you know, I was going to say Game Boy then, but that ages me. But you know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? On whatever, uh, yeah. whatever little device, that's going to bore the eyes. They'll, they'll, be, on, they'll be on Instabook, won't they? Yeah, they'll be on Instabook and the Facegram. Yeah. yeah. But, I'm, do you know what I'm saying? It's like, so the majority of wrestling fans all around the world are saying, this is one of the greatest matches I've ever seen in my life. The nine-year-old just wants to see Braun Strowman bash stuff up. Yep, and that's absolutely. Just, we have to accept this. And it's once I want to end the kind of UK talk and just get us onto something different, which is that we were talking, weren't we, during the week, you know, um, just you and I personally, and saying about how the range of wrestling that's on these days and where it's available is absolutely extraordinary yep and at the same time you're hearing about WWE's record uh, TV deals and record revenues and share prices which we've already touched on and also I feel like in the last I think since Wrestlemania particularly I've seen a huge upswing in people online saying WWE is terrible right now I'm not saying it is, I'm not saying it isn't, but I am seeing more and more people going, I hate the booking, I can't stand Roman Reigns, it's really formulaic, I don't like this. I think everyone accepts that pay-per-views are still really good. Mm-hmm. I think almost every pay-per-view seems to raise it, but I think I'm talking about the weekly television rather than the major shows. Sure. That weekly TV is as poor as it's been in quite some time, mm-hmm. in some people's opinion. I'm not saying that, I'm just saying I'm reading the reactions as more than anything. But I'm also saying that I'm getting a bit fed up of reading that kind of thing because I sort of feel like, well, stop watching it then. Because I I think people are almost being a little bit masochistic about this. And it's like, why are you watching something which appears to give you so little pleasure? If you like football... No, 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 don't do football, Rob. If you like cricket, then you you can watch test cricket, you can watch one day internationals you can watch county cricket you can watch local cricket, you can play cricket on your computer, there's lots of different ways you can indulge in it and you can watch it how it suits you don't like T20, that's fine go and watch county cricket, don't like international stuff, that's fine, go and watch them on your village green, there's lots of different ways you can take stuff in, but what cricket fans don't do is watch cricket and moan about watching bloody cricket but wrestling fans do, and I sort of can't get my head around doing that in this era Forget the UK stuff that we've just talked about. Forget the matches that you can go and watch live. But you can just... There's bundles of companies for a start that just have streaming services. There's a U, there's the network where you can watch, you know, 1988's Great American Bash on. And you can watch Mid-South and you can watch all sorts of old stuff. World-class championship wrestling. There's New Japan streaming. New Japan in the UK. New Japan in the US. There's all ins about to happen as a brand new thing. There's just so much stuff. There's podcasts. There's all sorts of stuff. I don't know why you would watch Raw for three hours, hate it, and then moan about it when there's so much stuff. And what I'm saying is not 
that someone's allowed to not they shouldn't be saying this is terrible well, if you think something's terrible it's terrible and I get that things are habit forming and if you've been watching WWE for 20 years you kind of feel like you ought to carry on watching it maybe it's the same as like EastEnders or Corey or anything like that but I, I'm just disappointed I don't see more people going wow I watched Ring of Honor last week on Fight TV what a great show yeah I, I don't see that enough and I just think because I think that's the kind of show that these people would enjoy more You can. You, it is not a caveat that if you're a wrestling fan you have to watch WWE and even then I'm separating WWE and NXT in my mind because those people that are slagging off Raw are almost certainly praising NXT so it's not a WWE brand thing I'm talking about it's a Raw Smackdown top level thing and I'll, I'll finish off that particular sort of semi rant but do you see what I'm saying Paul it feels I feel like some people rather enjoy the criticism I think they might be a little bit better off serving their own you know, personal tastes and not really worrying about how much grief they have to dish out. It's a tricky subject. Um, yeah, it's a tricky. I broadly speaking, I agree with you, but I don't want to get over. You and I have got a very different sort of outlook on um, on how we address broad. Uh, I'm trying to label this delicately. How we address mass consumption of things. I think I let. I tend to let thing let things sort of become water of a duck's back to me more than you whereas you sort of tend to want to get into the detail of, of why people are, are doing a certain thing And but I think essentially you're right I think that there, there's so little to complain about now it's it's not like 20 years ago when it was WWE or bust if you weren't a tape trader that's kind of my point if you're a wrestling fan you can watch wrestling almost 24-7 without giving WWE a penny without watching any of their products it's similar to what you've often said about how you can go to Wrestlemania weekend now and not go and watch Wrestlemania mm-hmm. and still have a great time with that but writ over um, over sort of 52 weeks you can absolutely do that but at the same time okay at the same time wrestling fans orbit around WWE the whole industry orbits around WWE so and, and and largely the survival or otherwise of the industry depends on how WWE rise and fall so I think people have a very certain sense of ownership of what WWE do um, I think people to a degree I, I'd say this is I might be generalising a bit here but I suppose there's probably the majority of wrestling fans who are between the ages of maybe 20 and 40 Started off as WWE fans first, and then discovered other products oh, from so you, off the shoulder of almost that. Made, almost exclu- in this country, yeah, almost exclusively. Yeah, WCW as well. But if you're taking WCW into account, it's the There'll same. There'll be a handful of field. people that saw WCW yeah. first on WCW Worldwide, yeah. or, or maybe Nitro on TNT. Well, but I'd say 90% at the very, very least would be WWF Mania superstars, and then the early days of Raw. Yeah. Yeah, well, if you're that my, particular age group you're talking about. But my point is that people, even if you've outgrown WWE, even if it's not for you anymore, there's still a certain sense of deep down you want it to be brilliant and you want it to be brilliant in the image that you define it. So I don't think people can ever truly get away from WWE because it's your first love. You never really forget your first love and you've always got a bit of bitterness towards it I suppose if you've fallen out of love with it and you just want it to be how you remember it when it was great in your opinion um, 
and I think that'll always be the case. I think even if you, you, you it's not your thing anymore, there'll always be, you've always got to be aware of what WWE is doing. You can never ignore it completely. And if you can't, and, and like an ex-girlfriend, if you can't ignore it completely, it's going to get on your tits. Uh, <laughs> do you know what I mean? No, it really yeah, no, 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 it, nice, it, yeah. it is. And I think people will always gravitate back towards that. So I'm more inclined to let people have a moan about WWE yet at the same time if you're still watching Raw week in week out just have a moan at it then please feel free to take a long walk into the sea um, because you've got nobody to blame but yourself um, if you're investing the time in something week in week out you know what Raw is now and whether you like that or you don't like that you know what to expect from a three hour Monday Night Raw in 2018 and if you don't like it don't watch mm. But do not spend. And you're right in what you're saying. A lot of people just like a moan. And I, again, I don't exempt ourselves from that completely. No, of course not. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm. I am not saying I'm a better fan than anyone else. I'm not saying anything. No, anything approaching exactly. that. I, what I'm. When I go on to some of these little girls of mine, it tends to be. It tends to be because it's a subject that I'm passionate about, and that I feel people could be could be better I remember when I was when I was a, this is again very small football analogy when I was a football coach when I would coach like an under 14s under 15s team I remember there being one particular lad that was upset with me one day and he said you seem to moan at me more than you do the rest of them and I remember telling him was, <laughs> that I thought he was better than a lot of them and he's, he couldn't really understand and I was like well I think you've got more potential than them so I'm more annoyed when you get something wrong because I think we could make you a better player. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like I think I, I think that way about some fans. It's like I want to make you happier. I want to make it so yeah. that you're not too worried about your Twitter persona and that your 216 followers note the fact that you don't like Roman Reigns or Bobby Lashley and that rather than worrying about that, just don't worry about what people think of you. Don't worry about what your message board thinks of you just watch something else and just fill your time better or at the very least even if you do carry on watching Raw watch it on fast forward get through three hours in an hour and it gives you another two hours to watch New Japan to watch Ring of Honor yeah. to watch Progress to well, watch even, wherever it might be even, that's, that's even, my issue even within the WWE ecosystem like, I'll be honest Raw isn't my bag anymore no, it's just not for me not and I'll moment. watch and I'll watch bits of it and I'll ignore bits of it Smackdown however very much on board with it's still a program that I can enjoy especially and I'll watch since most the, weeks since the draft since the especially draft. Yeah. especially since um, same with NXT I don't miss NXT I just don't every week um, 205 see, Live is see I do this is actually, that's the best point actually to come back to because I'm I never watch NXT oh. I never watch it it's just I, I, I watch all of the takeovers and I generally like the takeovers although there's usually something about them that I I seem to remember texting you after the last takeover and saying, I've got a bit of a rant in me about this, and then we didn't record anything afterwards, and whatever that <laughs> rant is has now subsided, and I can't remember what it was. But um, there's always something that annoys me more in those, 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 those takeovers. But I take you back to my last point. It's because I care so much, and because they're all, almost always so good, I want to tweak that one or two little things to say, oh, you could have made this so much better by, <laughs> by, by doing this. But um, anyway, but I'm happy to say that NXT is generally not my thing. I enjoyed, um, I enjoyed Money in the Bank more than I enjoyed the Takeover that was before it. 
I know a lot of people will think that's bonkers, but that's just my taste. That's it's just the way I am. I thought they did a good job of that money in the bank stuff, and it was it was it was yep. they did it in a different way. It wasn't quite as dangerous as normal with the ladders, and it was, it was some good storytelling. This the NXT show was great, but it was just I'm more inclined to like the the slightly safer Raw show. But I'm allowed to do that. I'm also allowed to like James Blunt more than I like the Stereophonics. Do you yes, know what I mean? you it's are. Like, but 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 I, <laughs> that was a, a rubbish example. I don't think the Stereophonics are that outlandish. But give, oh, I t- um. Who's that northern band I don't like, Paul? I never remember the name of them. Oasis? No, I love Oh, Oasis. Elbow. Elbow. Um, Elbow's one of them. The Arctic Monkeys is the other one. Right. right. I went to see Arctic Monkeys in Barcelona a few weeks okay. ago. Right. I wouldn't see them if they were in the end of my row. <laughs> they but, were dreadful. Um, <laughs> the point is, the Arctic Monkeys are very, very, very successful and very, very, very popular. I can't stand them, right? Uh, and I think James Blunt's absolutely great. But he's the one that I'm picking on because everyone seems to make him you know a real sort of he's the well it was him it's probably now Ed Sheeran isn't it that people now make Ed Sheeran yeah, jokes, despite yeah, the fact yeah. he's the most successful British artist in about 20 years but the point is is that I'm happy being me and being happy being in my safe middle of the road environment where some people are desperate to be cool and I'm not saying that every Arctic Monkeys fan is desperate to be cool but some of them are and they tell you so strongly how they're fans of those bands, and so strongly of those bands that you've never heard of. And I don't care. They can do that all they like. I don't care. Um, some of them just happen to like those kind of bands, because what those bands do, are go, they go for more clever things. They go for cleverer lyrics. They go for different sort of melodies that aren't so quite so, so friendly with the mainstream, and that's why those people like them. And brilliant. More credit to you. If, if you like bands because they're different... That's absolutely brilliant. I love you for that because you're the kind of person that would like indie wrestling and would like NXT and would like something because it's a bit different. You don't have to tell the world just to show off that, but if you like it because it's different, I think that's just wonderful. I can't, I don't, I'll take myself out of my own opinion. And there are, there are some mainstream television comedies that are mega popular because people cannot bear to even push their boundaries a little bit and you, you end up getting. You know, 19 million people watching Mrs. Brown's Boys and about 3 million people watch The Ugh. Office. Ugh. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, so yeah, great example. Again, you can like either of those shows, you can hate either of those shows. Everyone has their own sort of tastes. My issue is always, especially in this era where we've talked about Facebook and Netflix and Amazon, there's no excuse anymore for going, TV's rubbish. <laughs> okay, fine. Nope. But there are, I've got a, <laughs> okay, not everyone can afford those sorts of things and apps and stuff and I get that as well so I'm not necessarily saying that but even just on bloody YouTube you can watch old programs that people have uploaded and I'm okay they might shouldn't have but you could you could easily spend six weeks watching stuff exclusively on YouTube um, from just finding old old shows or even current shows that people have put up there and if you if you can stretch to you know you know to having Sky or to having Netflix the amount of movies and old shows and stuff, there's you never an excuse to say there's nothing on. That's quite aside from the fact that you can just pick up a book. So that it's just, I hate the excuse of I'm bored, there's nothing on. I hate the excuse of TV's rubbish these days. It's just not true and it's just lazy. And I think it comes into into wrestling as, as well. Um, I don't want to dwell on that too much. Um, I've just realised there's one one thing I want to circle back to. You said it's not World of Sport, but it's WOS wrestling. Yes. W- why is that? Um, is there a reason for that? Yeah, just just um, trademarks and branding. I don't know the ins and outs, but um, yeah, just just a just a just a branding decision, I guess. Because you know what, one of the if I could go back to the very start of wrestling history, one of the things that I would try and do 
would be to downplay the word wrestling. Not for the Vince McMahon sense of my old dad's wrestling company. It's because, broadly speaking, across the English-speaking world, people cannot say W. <laughs> they can't say... You can't say W. You're rubbish at saying W. I'm not brilliant. Am I? Yeah, you're crap at saying W. You, you said W-O-S a minute ago. It's, but, w, <laughs> but W's really hard to say. And I listen to lots of people say W-W-E, and that's not just the kind of that, that funny Vladimir Kozlov thing. But lots of people can't say WWE. It's a hard thing to say. And I was going about to mock you because World of Sport is three syllables. And you kept saying WOS. And I was going, that's five. You're not shortening it. You're making it longer. <laughs> so I was about to have a go at you for saying WOS, which sounds stupid. And actually, I didn't realize that's what they're calling. I'm going to ease. I'm going to inevitably call it World of Sport. But then I... I say, yeah. Uh, I still say TNA and not Impact Wrestling. And if you I listen to our say. if you listen to our last podcast, um, Jerry Lawler rebuked me for saying WWF. So oh my Jerry, Lord. Jerry, Jerry told me off. <laughs> so it was, uh, oh, I felt dear. a bit bad. <laughs> but um, anyway, um, I think we've covered a lot of that. Um, but what I do want to say, one of those extra avenues, if you're a WWE fan, TNA fan, Impact Wrestling fan, World of Sport fan, whatever it may be. Um, New Japan, the, the stories that we, we let's do some more chat about New Japan in, in future. I know that the yes. last time the last time that we uh, talked on here, we were going to do a Chris Jericho show. We'll still do that one day, and the reason was because Jericho had shown up um, attacking Naito on on a uh, on a New Japan yep. uh, event. They've subsequently had a match. Jericho's won a belt. Um, New Japan have been over here. New Japan have been in the US. Um, as we say right now, um, I really really hope that. Uh, uh, that Tanahashi is okay. He had a very bad-looking neck injury oh, yeah. last night. He carried on and finished his match and walked to the back, but apparently had some issues afterwards. So, listen, he's one of the greatest wrestlers on earth. So, um, hopefully, he uh, he's okay. It was a scary, scary-looking bump he took. I've seen it. Um, so, New Japan are very, very in the news as they always are. Um, that links on with obviously things to do with the Bullet Club, Cody, um, Kenny Omega, all in all those kind of topics. Um, which again, we, I think we'll talk about a little bit more long form on a, on a day very soon. But I want to I want to mention the fact that you went to see them last week, the week before. I want to know what kind of experience you had. I did last Sunday. Um, I went to the Altingham show, and it was um, it was really interesting. You know, I I didn't know that many of the guys on the card, honestly. First of all, let's, let's, let's go back to the start. What sort of venue was it at? What was the what was it was the at an ice it was at an ice arena and it was packed. It was crowd? absolutely packed. Uh, two and a half thousand to three thousand. Okay, brilliant. brilliant. Okay. In fact, no, I don't know why I'm speculating. I know exactly what the crowd was. It's two thousand seven hundred. Right. Um, I don't know why I'm being vague. Um, in Altrincham, was... I mean, some people will go, "Oh, Altrincham." I mean, Altrincham is on the edge of Manchester, but sorry, yes, it is. It's, it was, a, it was a... built as Manchester. Yeah, I'm going to say because that's a Altrincham sounds like it's a bit of a niche venue, but I want to say that it's it's in the environs of Greater Manchester, so yeah, it's like it's like it, what it's... fifteen minutes on the train from the centre of Manchester, and the train station is bang next door to the venue, so it's very. Yeah. If it was in the States and it was, say, in, um, uh, I'm trying to think of what the name is, that uh, that, that place, like, um, Rosemont, yeah. everyone, would say, everyone would say it's in Chicago. Well, it's so like all, all in, all in is in the same same way. But yeah, yeah. Um, it was great. Like the way they got the ring set up looked just like a new Japan show. Um, it felt very much like a different product that I was going to watch. It wasn't all to my taste. There was a few matches on there that, quite frankly bored me um just not my style but there were also some brilliant 
um, bits and pieces on there. The main, uh, sorry, the the semi-main event, Okada against Zack Sabre Jr. Goodness gracious me, <laughs> what what a wrestling match! Hands down, the best wrestling match I've seen live since uh, Bretton Bulldog in 1992. Whoa, that's a huge statement. Hands down, and I don't think there's anything that's even come close. Um, phenomenal and brilliant to see after all the hype and all the um, amazing plaudits that Okada has had uh, from his title run brilliant to see him in the flesh really great like it really felt like you're in the presence of an icon um, superb um, Will Ospreay uh, put on a great display with um, it was it Ishii yeah Ishii Can't... yeah shows me up I can't remember exactly all, all of their names it, it was a, scratch, yeah. yeah it was a phenomenal six man tag um, where Chaos was on one side and uh, one of the other factions on the other and then there was a great four way as well um, El Fantasmo I think his name was was the standout for me for that in short really really enjoyed it in spots um, would I go to New Japan every single week no I wouldn't I wouldn't if I'm honest because a lot of it is more methodical than I like it's just not necessarily my scene but the highlights were just amazing like the, the bits that I did enjoy I really enjoyed and it felt very serious like you know there were some kids in there clearly not knowing what they were in for and, it, and then they were fairly bored by the whole thing to be honest um, but for a wrestling purist I can imagine it would have been a you, know, you would have been absolutely you're in your element really really enjoyed it the, the best thing I can um, equate it to is when I went to watch Rev Pro in York Hall about five years ago mm-hmm. um, and I went and I'm, I've never been a massive go, uh, attendee for independent wrestling cards but this one just happened to have Prince Devitt Finn Balor um, Justin Liger um, it had oh god that um, and Marty Skrull on there Zack Sabre Jr. I believe was on there there was four or five names on there that I just went yeah I've, I've got to go to this I really need to see this card and it felt very much like that um, I'd say Ref Pro was probably a bit more accessible for me but this one was uh, top notch I, I, I was about to say if they come back I'll scrub that when they come back make a point of going and you won't regret it I think um, before we get to the end of this podcast I want to um, touch on just a, a, an MMA point or two Um but before I do, I want to. It's something that could lead us into it. Is that um, one of the beauties of MMA when it first came around, UFC in particular, um, was the idea of the the clashes of styles, wasn't it? How how what would happen? It was a kind of the theoretical. What would happen if a boxer faced a wrestler? What would happen if a jujitsu guy fought a, a ground striking guy? Oh, there was lots of things, wasn't there? There was the whole point of mixed martial arts was that you were going to get this mix of styles and who would win and would people adjust to it or one of the things I really like about New Japan is the huge amount of different guys that they have and and the different styles that they work and how they can put them together and from what you just said if if you're right and you, you were a bit hesitant about who, who you said it was but I'm assuring I'm assuming you meant Tomohiro Ishii for, for that match yes. against Will Ospreay yeah. that is just I mean Ishii is like for people that don't know Ishii he's about what Five six, five seven. He's yeah. a really little guy. Squat. Little, he's a little kind of like a little striker. Um, whereas Osprey um, is a better wrestler than people give him credit for, but he's probably known for his high flying acrobatic 
you know, um, the whole, all the stuff he did with Ricochet. Of course, yeah. So he's far more known as a high flyer, where Ishii's a little nasty striker. That's a total clash of styles, and that was one of the ones you picked out. So was that a good match? It was a good match. Um, yeah, I, I love the fact that Japan tried way harder to do the different styles and play into it and really talk about how, how it's different. Yeah, it was. I'll be honest with that match. I'll tell you what ruined that match for me, and then this is absolutely on me and the audience as a collective. Um, we were all massively deflated when Ishii won. Um, not because we weren't happy to see it. You know, a lot of the guys were there to see him, uh, and and you know he's one of the big names. But because we so expected Osprey to win, it just felt like the most natural thing that it felt like the match ended too early, if you know what I mean. So no one yeah. reacted properly, and it felt like oh oh it's finished. We thought it was just sort of going into Act Three, and it ended. Similar to when um, Zack Saber Jr. beat Okada. Similar feeling, but obviously the people were much more excited about that. Um, just made for a very weird thing but again that's the strength of New Japan and you know it's not so formulaic and you, you know if you're a, if you are an ardent follower of New Japan I'm not I'll admit but if you are you probably know that you know you don't have to have a finisher to finish a match you can expect the guy you don't expect to win to, to win so you're more engaged and it's I much was... more realistic sporting action exactly and I was watching it through the prism of being a WWE fan so it felt unusual and jarring to me in places for that reason but if I was I can imagine if I had the time and the effort to put into learning the beats and the rhythm of how Japanese wrestling is I think I would just like absolutely adore it I know plenty of my you friends would. do you would I'm a bit I'm a bit ahead of you but I still wouldn't say that I'm a connoisseur or I know all the individuals inside out but I think I do watch it a little bit more often than you do and I'm a bit more familiar with some of the some of the wrestlers and it's just the main thing is how seriously they take it but in a really good way do you know when people they say, people talk about Bret Hart and how Bret talks about his old days and people say oh you know Bret really took it too seriously and if you listen to someone like Jim Ross and Jim Ross will say if only everyone took it nearly as seriously as Bret Hart did and a hell of a lot more people would have made a hell of a lot more money yeah and it's like you wish you had 10 Bret Harts right now that actually cared about the, the art rather than just doing their bit and getting out again and I think there's that aspect of New Japan is that it's. I know that the Japanese audience is different. I know that you can never book that way in in, in America. It's a different, different world, a different culture. Um, the Japanese culture is way more on you know respect and fighting spirit than it is on American braggadocio and and whatever. But the the Japanese te- they cater so well, you know, to to the actual art of the fight, of the match, of the bout um, that they're way more blurred lines in terms of heel and face it's, a, it's surprising you'd think it would actually be more so it's not it's less but it still makes it great because it's just done on, on the nature of the contest and then the respect afterwards you can say I enjoyed both of them you don't have to have hated one and loved another and that means it's way fewer you know DQ finishes and foot on the rope finishes and all that kind of stuff because it's much more about the contest rather than trying to get someone you know to keep their heat or, or to whatever so I think that's one of the things that draws me to it, plus as well as the finish cut out of nowhere thing. Um, and when it comes to something like um, Osprey, you just said about how you were... Oh, one of the things I would say is I was a bit deflated when, um, you know, Osprey, you know, lost to Ishii. Well, actually, um, would you... Oh, I'm going to try and pick a really cheesy movie. Um, if Meg Ryan, at the end of Sleepless in Seattle, jumped <laughs> Tom Hanks, and when actually you're not really my type, love and wandered off into the Seattle sunset, that would basically kill the film. 
Yeah. Now I know that some people go, "Oh, that's good. It's unpredictable." But it's like, no, people like. There's a reason people like romantic comedies, and there's a reason they almost always finish in, you know, the the, the two of them getting together. Every now and again, you can have a a really different one. Like in, you know, way back when you, you've got two of the most classic films ever, Gone with the Wind and Casablanca, don't end happily. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert for films in the 1940s, but. Um, <laughs> I'm saying that most romantic films end in a nice romantic ending, and sometimes you need that. And so you would be disappointed, you know, if you were if you were left, you know, with the wrong kind of finish. However, sport relies on the fact that sometimes you have the negativity. Sorry, little bit of football. One of the reasons we're loving the England run so much in the World Cup is because we're so bloody used to failure. And sometimes you need that failure. Sometimes you need that heat in wrestling terms for the babyface win to mean something. And actually, the very fact that you feel deflated about Ishii beating Osprey, good! Good! Because you yep. were a fan. Fair, no, fair. I, I completely You were a fan. Agree. You weren't just going, oh, yes, I think he should win because blah, blah, blah. You obviously got yourself invested. You probably supported Will a bit more because, A, you know him. B, he's English. You know, it was an English show, blah, blah, blah. Maybe you prefer his style to Ishii. Maybe Ishii was acting the heel in the match. Whatever it might be, but... You, Paul Benson, who knows a bit about wrestling, invested enough in that match that when Ishii won, you went, oh, shit. And that's amazing, because more often than not, not you, but most people would take that, and if that match was in their town again, they'd go, oh, I want to watch that again, because I I think Osprey's going to do him this time. Yeah. And that's what wrestling's based on. And we've forgotten that sometimes. That's wonderful to my ears that you got yourself invested into that match and wanted to see a winner and you got let down. Yep. Because then when Osprey wins, oh my God, it's going to mean so much more to you. And that's the beauty of it. That's the storytelling aspect that they get so right. Yep, I agree. <laughs> I, I think I, I was definitely, I, I let myself be a fan for the day, for the night, but it wasn't hard. I was I was very impressed. It's worth doing, isn't it? Absolutely, yep. yeah just for, from time to time um, I said I want to touch on an MMA subject and then we'll, uh, we'll look to wrap this show up um, Brock Lesnar has been a talking point over the last little while um, yep. as the champ not on TV enough in some people's eyes um, looks like we're going to a pay-per-view next week and there might be no Brock Lesnar on it again um, but meanwhile um, I'm not going to do too many spoilers here if I talk about the, what happened in UFC am I? people have seen that show now haven't they if they want to by the time we put this out, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. So, and again, Paul will correct me on the details of this because I'm not an MMA follower, as, as a lot of people will know. But um, after, oh, in fact, you tell them because I'll get something wrong. You tell them what, what, just very quickly, what happened in a in a in, a, in the octagon this weekend. All right. So um, it was uh, Stip Miocic against Daniel Cormier for the uh, world heavyweight title. Cormier being the light heavyweight champion already. Um, beat Miocic um, and became only the second ever multi-weight champion in UFC history after Conor McGregor um, straight after the match the and this never tends to happen by the way the uh, conveniently placed ringside Brock Lesnar uh, entered the octagon was invited into the octagon um, swapped some choice words with Cormier who essentially challenged him for the belt um, completely and utterly stage managed uh, there was not one spontaneous bone in the whole thing um, and now it seems that they will fight for that heavyweight title um, at Madison Square Garden in I think November even though Lesnar is currently in the midst of a drug suspension he's um, not won any of his last three fights he did beat Mark Hunt um, at UFC 200 last in his last bout but after he was uh, 
found to have been on performance enhancing drugs that match was turned into a no contest so um, he has been given the title shot based purely on his box of his appeal I have no problem with that whatsoever again it's a business and he's a draw there's no more Lesnar there's no sorry there's no more Rousey there's no McGregor for the foreseeable future there's no uh, St. Pierre. so they need to make some money so put Lesnar in a world title fight I get it but with the exception, with the exception that uh, Lesnar wasn't a, a ringside judge, um, it was not dissimilar to the angle that they ran with Ric Flair and Terry Funk in, I think, 1989 <laughs> um, in the NWA. <laughs> Lesnar ostensibly, oh, I'm coming into the ring to congratulate them. Oh no, he pushed him. Uh, look at that. And then they had a little mini set too. Um, like Paul says, <laughs> clearly booked. But I think that's one of the uh, things that people have to accept with their. Uh, the UFC in particular it is, it is it is you used a good phrase there it is stage managed isn't it it, I don't is, think, it is I don't think any of the fights can consider to be fixed but I think the uh, the build up certainly is but I don't think they hide that really do they they kind of Dana White in particular is quite open about the fact that it's a it's a box office game and you know goodness knows everyone knows that can known by now that CM Punk would never be in that comp- company if it wasn't for trying to get a few pay-per-view buys um, one of the reasons I asked you about this was um Obviously, Paul is a much more of an MMA guy than I am, but it'll um, it'll give you an idea about uh, about how um, Lesnar is considered by UFC. As you say, he's on a losing streak in UFC terms. He's on a suspension uh, in UFC terms. In WWE land, he's not considered to be around enough, but in UFC, he is still probably their number one draw, um, with yeah. the possible exception of your, of your man there from the uh, the Emerald Isle that you just mentioned. Well, here is, well, here let's twi- let's sorry, I will interrupt you there. If you consider if if you consider Conor McGregor still active, then it's not even close. Conor okay. McGregor is much still bigger. One, yeah. Take it, take him out of the equation, and yeah, you're probably right. It's Lesnar. Um, are you familiar with a guy called Arash Markazi? Yes, I am. Okay, well, he uh, tweeted today, and this is one of the things that um, uh, caught my eye. He said, "This is his words." Brock Lesnar will be cleared to return to the UFC by January 2019. Conor McGregor is expected to return by then too. ESPN's deal with UFC begins in January 2019. There seems to be some sort of suggestion, I don't know whether it will be on the same show, but at least on the first two shows of the year in 2019 on ESPN that there'll be a lot of interest going on. I know, it's, I know pay-per-views are different to the shows on ESPN, but it seems to me that there's a suggestion that the uh, it might coincide with UFC going to a new network, that Lesnar would be back, McGregor would be back, and that uh, things are kind of building to around then. Do you buy that, and do you also buy the fact that... What, what does it mean for WWE? Is it better for them to keep Lesnar? Because when he does his UFC stints, it brings more eyeballs to them. Is it better that they let him go because actually then they could focus on who they've got in their company rather than having to worry about someone that's only around every five minutes? Does that do damage to the brand? Does it bring more eyeballs to the brand? How do you feel about it as someone that follows both sports passionately? Okay, well, let me um, let me pick up on the um, MMA front first. Um, the 2019 thing, the ESPA thing, uh, sorry, ESPN thing, yep, makes absolute perfect sense. UFC's model is going to be changing when they go to ESPN. It's going to be moving away from pay-per-view slightly and putting more emphasis on the TV product. So you're going to see a lot more marquee fights on broadcast television uh, through UFC. And I dare say the same will be happening with WWE under their new TV deal as well because suddenly that TV deal becomes king of all. 
Um, so I think you could see that become much, much more prominent with the exception of WrestleMania. Anyway, so that, that's that's a very straightforward question. I would say it's um, yes, they um, they they will if they could do that. I'm sure they would in the, in terms of their debut on ESPN. What does it mean for WWE? I just think it's a farce. Um, I think Lesnar had a great role to play for a lot of years with WWE and and was very important with a lot of business they did over the last sort of five years. Um, a lot of the matches they put on were fantastic but if Lesnar wants to be UFC I don't think he can be WWE at the same time and we all agree this universal title reign he's had for you know well over a year now is a farce it's an absolute farce Um, and it's going to if he carries on doing both sports it's going to continue to be a farce there's rumour that he's not even a period at SummerSlam I think that's a work I think people are being sucked in to make him more of a heel in inverted commas so Reigns gets cheered it won't work it didn't work last time but that's I think that's the idea but I think if he's going to go and do UFC you have to you cannot allow him to walk into that octagon with the Universal Championship um, metaphorically on his shoulder because he, there's a very good chance he is going to get knocked the F out um, and that is not a good look because if, if he can be doing that and then he comes back to WWE and looks so massively dominant this matters perception matters even though it's worked reality it makes a difference and if you're UFC if you're absolute uber dominant WWE champion who's promoted as the most dominant wrestling champion of all time then goes into the octagon and gets his arse handed to him by a guy who's much smaller than him Daniel Cormier that is not a good look you've got to get it off him here's the point here I don't know enough about him to make any judge but from what I can tell from other people Cormier is really really good correct it, oh he's very very good indeed he's a, he's a bit he's a lot smaller than Brock if you look at the size comparison next to each other it's it's fairly ridiculous but he's so much better than Lesnar is pound for pound that he could probably make it up uh, and in terms of star power charisma being the champ drawing power where does he figure on that for, for UFC I think his drawing power is increasing I think he's a great champ and I think he's different to a lot of what they have because he's very well, he's almost universally liked he's a great guy he's done things the hard 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 way over his career and he's a very, very decent bloke with it, on, by all accounts. Um, so he's the antithesis to Lesnar, really. It's a great um, storyline-wise. It's a phenomenal matchup. Um, it's going to sell well, and I think it's the kind of th- Daniel Cormier has always been that a couple of levels below the top attractions. Not even, if, you know, you've, in MMA, if you don't follow it too much, there's a there's, there's Conor McGregor, and then there's Ronda Rousey, and then there's a gigantic gap. And below them, you get your John Joneses, your George St. Pierre's, Anderson Silva, and then there's a gap, and Cormier's on that level below. Okay. Um, and um, I hope this could put him up to that George St. Pierre, Anderson Silva level. It's not going to get him up to the Conor McGregor level, it never will. But um, this could be big for him if he can conquer Lesnar, and it could be big for UFC as well. <coughs> Excuse me. If, if you were booking it, I'm not saying they are, but if you were booking it, it's the perfect booking of babyface champion overcomes significant, bigger than him, established heel legacy star, isn't it? It's your classic, like, Undertaker losing to Batista, 
a Hell in a Cell sort of booking, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's that sort of, if you're getting someone over, that's a, again, Lesnar might come and kick his ass and that changes, changes the whole dynamic, but if you're assuming that that's how it would go, it's great booking, isn't it, for UFC to, to have that. So, therefore, are you advocating that WWE should cut ties before January because it's going to make them look silly? Yep. Yeah. Yep, I think even the risk of having that happen is enough to uh, to make them cut ties. It's not like Lesnar's doing a great deal for the product now, is it? Let's be honest. If he was if he was such a critical part of the product, then I'd be I'd be maybe thinking differently, but he's not. When Lesnar appears on other things, do they talk about it being WWE's Brock Lesnar? Uh, I think they're doing UFC. Yeah, I haven't. To be honest, I haven't seen last night's show, so I couldn't tell you for sure. But yeah, I think I think he is wedded brand-wise to WWE. WWE. Excuse me, that's an issue as well. Is if if UFC fans aren't watching Raw, but they are watching UFC and they see Lesnar and then they find out Lesnar's still on WWE, maybe it encourages them to to tune into that show or to SummerSlam or to whatever it may be. Um, that's obviously WWE are constantly looking for, uh, you know, outside uh, influences on how they can get people to come and watch their show. So um, I can understand why they're, uh, you know, continually wedded to him, particularly um, in the wake of Ronda Rousey being a success so far. I'd say that not only was WrestleMania a success, I think the stuff with Nia Jax was a success. Would you agree with me? Yep. I think that she, her start has been, I think it's probably exceeded everybody in terms of their. Uh, in terms of how they thought it was all going to go, um, I love the hell out of the the way they did that stuff with them, uh, with Alexa at, uh, at the pay per view, um, and so I think that they've done a wonderful job with, with Ronda so far. So um, they're obviously they're never going to get Brock back to that sort of working every week, trying to build him up from the start level. But maybe if they think that they've got Ronda Rousey fans on board, that having Brock Lesnar as another, you know, link to that world is is beneficial to them. Yeah, I think that's the thought process. And it's all, I just think that Vince McMahon has never quite got away from the mindset that all mainstream publicity is great. Mm. I don't think there's a, there's a big part of Vince McMahon that doesn't quite get that they are the mainstream now and they're being covered on ESPN independently. They're all over social media. You know, they're the second biggest channel on YouTube, for instance, and that is that is not an inconsiderate position to be in in today's media landscape. Um I think he still thinks that any publicity is good publicity and it, it just it just isn't it just isn't they're in a position where they don't need that now and um, I think there's there's way more risk than reward with uh, Brock Lesnar allowing him to do both at the same time they're the second biggest channel on YouTube yep wow what's number one I don't actually know I knew you were going to ask me that um, I don't know but oh, they are the biggest what a great question I'm going to find, I want to find that out hmm. that's, um, that's really interesting to me um Paul, I've really enjoyed this. I think this has been very different from any of our um, typical podcasts, but there's been a lot of things that have been brewing up in my mind over the last little while. And like we've always stressed on this show, we don't want to be just that podcast that just, you know, analyzes last week's Raw, does a rundown about next week's pay-per-view, um, just does the same old, same old. But even beyond our standards, I I've really enjoyed talking about all the various different subjects um, from a fan point of view, from a business point of view, from a where the wrestling industry can go point of view. But I find myself really excited coming out of it and not excited to watch Extreme Rules next week 
or not excited to watch the um, the New Japan G1, and not excited to watch anything and World of Sport, not any of them in particular, but just that it's an industry that I care about, and that I tangentially work in, and I feel like we're in a very very good spot right now. Do you know what I mean? In terms of absolutely, you talked earlier on that if we don't support certain things, and there's a there's a possibility that the whole thing could implode, but actually it feels like so many strands are open to take it in different directions it's like a blockbuster's gold run if one area doesn't work then you can start again and go a different way and that those those strands are open to us I, I feel like it's a very very exciting time so even if people are down about wrestling because Roman Reigns is still not over <laughs> it, that one chap isn't really not the be all and end all of the uh, of a very very lively business right now yep I couldn't I, I couldn't agree more it's it's a if you're willing to if you're willing to open your eyes and open your mind to all the possibilities out there it's the wrestling industry has never been better wonderful um i promised that we would wrap this up with a a short story and that story is the uh <laughs> you thought i'd forgotten didn't you um <laughs> that would be around the, around the, the hashtag what was the hashtag hooked on the scrounge hooked on the scrounge i was at work on friday and I got a text from Showbiz Paul Benson saying, look at our Twitter feed. And I thought, well, I subscribe to our Twitter feed. I look at our Twitter feed on a regular basis anyway. But I realised I was at work. So when I'm at work, and I do have Twitter open when I'm at work, uh, it is on the Plymouth Argyle Twitter feed, because that's who I work for, and it's who I uh, do some of the social media for. So I had that open rather than my own personal Twitter. So I changed it, and I looked on what was happening on the... Uh, the uh, the hashtag hooked on the scrounge and what was happening on hooked on wrestling. Do you want to take the story out from here? I just I, you don't have to go into stupid detail. If people want to see it, they can clearly see what was happening in front of their eyes. But it, a rather extraordinary little tale started to emerge. <laughs> I'll I'll keep it brief. Yeah, keep it so, brief. We don't want to go into but, stupid detail. But I, but I have got a list ready just <laughs> in case. So basically, I um, my Wi-Fi was on the fritz at the back end of last week um, at was, home was on the fritz on the fritz what, so, what ex- ex- <laughs> brilliant expression it was broken it was wasn't broken. working it wasn't, it wasn't working. working so I sorry to somewhere. all of our German listeners there <laughs> so I, need, I needed somewhere to go and work for the day and I'd been into the gym first thing in the morning uh, before work in Selby Town Centre near where I live and I thought do you know where I'm going to go I'm going to go to Weatherspoons Weatherspoons in Selby during the day is extremely quiet um so I thought I'll go in there £1.70 for a cup of tea free refills all day oh, good Wi-Fi so I thought brilliant because we're £1.70 to go and have a nice quiet day working in there so off I went nice little place Selby by the way where was it we met in Selby we went in the we pub did. by the church we did yes oh, we did nice did. little place yeah um, so I'm in Weatherspoons I'm, I'm beavering away and I got chatting to a few people on social media anyway long story short some of you may or may not know Weatherspoons relatively recently launched this awesome app that's designed to allow you to get table service for food and drink um, when you're in there. So essentially, you can go in, tell them which weather spoons you're at, tell them your table number, and then pay for any food or drink you want on the app, and the waiters and waitresses and bar staff will dutifully bring it over to your table. It's a very, very good service. I've used it a lot. What you can also do with it is remotely buy food and drink. And this has occurred to me a few times. You know, we've done daft things when we've been out and I've randomly sent drinks over to like, you know, you'll see two guys, two sort of, uh, not to put too fine a point, two arsehole looking blokes at the end of the <laughs> bar 
Um, and I'll wait till one of them goes to the toilet, then I'll order the other one a pina colada um, through the app and send it over and watch the confusion as one of them takes order of a pina colada. And they're the assholes. Yeah, okay, yeah, fine. Threatening, yeah, threatening their entire masculinity with a pink drink. Um, and uh, anyway, so we Is got talking... Is a pina colada pink? It's not, I'm kidding, it's yellow, it's but you know what I mean. It's yellow, yes. Yeah, so. um, got talking to someone on Twitter, and we started, I said, I'm in Weatherspoons. We're like, what's your table number? What's your table number? We'll send you some food. And I was laughing, and uh, I said, yeah, hashtag hooked on the scrounge and all this. Anyway, five minutes later, a sausage sandwich turns up. So I thought it was absolutely hilarious. So I... Right, 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 right. I'm gonna, no, I'm gonna, no, no, no. I think you've misrepresented there. Go I on. think the, it was way more like you went... Hey everyone, hooked on towers. I think you said hooked on towers or something equally wanky, and said hooked on towers has got no Wi-Fi today, so I've had to relocate to the Westbourne and Selby. If anyone wants to send me anything, no, or send, no. you, it was a little bit more jokey. No, I don't. I think let's face it, Mr. Tweet, I, you missed it. Oh no, it was on Facebook actually. It was on Facebook that this happened. No, you missed it where someone approached me first. Oh, is that right? Okay, yeah. okay. I, I, yeah. There's a tweet. There's a tweet where you very much say if anyone wants to send that me was, anything. That was further into the process. Oh, okay, that so was the Facebook thing came process. first. Okay, yeah. fair dues, fair dues. So, um, so I, I was encouraged to do that. So I did that, and then, uh, and then the floodgates opened. Um, and I let's had. Let's go to the list. Let's go to the list. So what? Well, what, what arrives? Start chronologically. So we got the sausage sandwich first. This was followed by a shot of tequila. Then six glasses of milk turned up. This is all bear in mind. Absolutely my favourite, by the way. That's a, that's genius. That's so much funnier. This is all before midday. Yeah, because I mean, to send you a sausage sandwich is nice. That's someone <laughs> a nice. That's that's a nice thing to do. The chocolate tequila, little bit jokey. Obviously, as you say, midday, whatever. But six glass, six glasses of milk. That is excellent. That is just that's so, so <laughs> stupidly funny. So who? Do you know who? I do, I do know, know who, who did that one. Actually, though? it was the it was the marketing team at Shooters sent me that. Clearly showing there's no hard feelings. Um, anyway, maybe they were telling me not to cry over spilt milk. Who knows? Anyway. Hey, very um, good. So the full list of all our, this. Bear in mind, this is over a period of about an hour and a half on Friday. Now I was absolutely mortified, but laughing my head off at the same time. The bar staff didn't know what was going on. They weren't sure that I was just completely greedy and lying about the fact that I hadn't ordered it or what. They just to, you just can't the whole bar. To set the scene, how many people uh, are in this? But how big is it? A big is it? A big Weatherspoons? Quite big, but there was maybe only between seven and fifteen people. Okay, and what what's the sort of makeup of those people? Uh, mainly older, <laughs> mainly older old, yeah. regulars. How many staff are on? About five. Okay, so there's about five staff, about a, ten or a dozen people, uh, uh, and you. Pretty much, basically, for for, for a two-hour period, about ninety okay. percent of everything that was ordered at that Weatherspoons came to my table. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 the list in full because I photographed yeah, the majority on. of this, not all, but the majority. And a big thank you to anyone that joined in. It was so much fun. Um, and I did consume as much as I could and gave as much as I could away. But we got a sausage sandwich, a bowl of ice cream, a bowl of nachos, a bowl of cheesy bacon fries, two burger and chips, a packet of biscuits, two pizzas, a chocolate wafer, six glasses of milk, a bottle of ginger ale, four pints of beer, two jugs of cocktail, five tequilas, two single whiskies, a quadruple whiskey three WKD blues and a glass of Prosecco 
<laughs> Four calling birds, three French hens, yeah, etc. Yeah, that is simply wonderful. I love every single person that took part in that. Oh, absolutely. Because, also, because I bet someone somewhere thought, do you know what I'm going to do, right? Nudging his mate, going, I'm going to send him a packet of biscuits. And it's like, yeah, someone else did some, someone else did two pizzas, mate. <laughs> oh, but my packet of biscuits now looks rather small fry against no, three WKD, six glasses of milk and two pizzas. It wasn't a case of being small fry, it was a case of who could send the funniest thing. And I think, <laughs> I think ultimately my favourite was probably the random bowl of ice cream, actually. Just really? this bowl of ice cream with this crap sauce appeared. And I just thought it was the funniest thing ever. Bear in mind, this came to my table while I was surrounded by peaches and burgers. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it coming, love. Keep it coming. How much, how much of this did you... What did, what, how much did you eat and drink? I would say I probably got through about 20% of it. Ah, oh, so not much. Did, uh, you, did you have the car? But, yeah, I did, yeah. So yeah. I... I <laughs> So I, I had a couple of beers and uh, all the most most of the soft drinks and as much of the food I c- could get, but rest assured, very very little of it got wasted. You made oh, that's good. you made the uh, the regulars and some of the uh, people at Weatherspoons very happy. <laughs> some of the, the homeless population. Some of, of, some of the people. It's, the word soon got around that there was this idiot giving away jugs of woo woo at the Selby's and and half pizzas of but. I would say there was very, very little went to waste. So um... I, I sort of, I sort of, I'm, I'm delving into um, geographical territory that I don't know again here. <laughs> but I really like the idea of there being sort of like homeless people on the streets of like Harrogate or something trying to <laughs> trying to earn about three quid so they could get a bus to Selby just to, just to sit just to sit outside Weatherspoons and going hey up Benson's got another pizza if we just salivate a bit more and look a bit more rancid he might give us a slice <laughs> anyway it was it was extremely extremely fun thank you to anyone that got involved in this silliness I hope nobody spent too much money um um, well, no, it's Weatherspoons, because even two pieces is about 40 please, p, isn't it? Please, please make yourself known. Everyone kept it very quiet on uh, on Twitter, but please do make yourself known. And yeah. Uh, Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. This is what I want to know. So it, what's that about? Around about, do you think, about 20 different orders, something Some, like that? Something like that, 20, How 25. many people do you know that have come forward and that have done something? I know three. Really, is that all? Because yeah. I, I absolutely swear to you, none of them were me. <laughs> Actually, I tell a lie, I know four. So right. Richard Young, Harry White, the guys from Shooters, and James Billington. They're okay. the four I know who sent something. Right. Everything well, else is a complete mystery. Richard, Richard Young being our, uh, our Grimsby Cleethorpes host. Yes. Um, but uh, that's, I mean, it's simply wonderful. It's one of my, it's one of my favourite things that's ever happened. <laughs> I, there was, I have simply one regret that I wasn't with you, and, not, and I, that's not to, uh, not to have eaten and dr- drink, uh, drunk all the. Uh, all the free stuff that was coming, but just to shoot purely to the look on your face because it just must have been absolutely wonderful as all this stuff was arriving. Oh, it was it was classic, absolutely. I just think classic. it's magnificent because it, to me it's an update of I think we've probably all thinking we're the first to do, to do it, like when we were at uni or something, sending someone a pizza. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Just like picking a mate at random and ordering them a really weird pizza and sending it to their door and you know before you would order pizzas on a on an app but you'd phone you know pizza go go in the high street and give your mate's address and then they'd turn up yeah. wanting £9.50 for this bizarre concoction of pizza that they don't actually want we've all done that thinking we're hilarious and, and unique but I think this this just adds a, a rather brand new uh, uh, brand new thing on it and just so so yeah I just 
congratulations to everyone that was involved in that. Let's call it a rib since it's a, since it's a wrestling podcast uh, on Paul. So we are hooked on scrounge is the uh, this is the hashtag that uh, you can have a little look at, and it's on our Facebook and Twitter if you want to go and uh, just have a little look at some. Because Paul, as, as a good social media guy was doing, was was taking pictures of, of some of the stuff. I thought you were doing some quite good. At one point, I thought Weatherspoons were probably ribbing themselves and sending them sending their own uh, stuff to you because I thought this is quite good quite good marketing because <laughs> I sat there and thought I tell you what those little bacon cheese and bacon fries look bloody wonderful <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was quite good marketing on uh, on Weatherspoon's part but uh, well it well, was it was it was certainly um, I should have tagged Weatherspoon's in it but no missed an opportunity there yeah but also um, uh, we are huge fans of the Stonegate brand of uh, of public houses so uh, we uh I'll be an even bigger fan when they get an app like that. <laughs> there you go, Amy and everyone else who's listening. That's what you need to uh, need to do to fully get the How team on board, get the apps working. But uh, generally speaking, we, uh, we we love you dearly. Um, well, there's a couple of bits of uh, business to uh, to attend to before we go, um, because it's uh, it's a busy time for How, and in particular, Paul Benson. Uh, just one more quick one on the SummerSlam, Paul. So people are starting to get their act together for SummerSlam. Uh, what's the date? In fact, I'm not absolutely certain. Nineteenth of August. Nineteenth of August. So as as we are speaking, it's uh, six weeks' time, I think. Is it from uh, from today? something or like something that? Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my so word. That's, uh, that's uh, coming uh, quite close then. So uh, if you're interested in SummerSlam, you can go over to um, uh, to hookedonevents.co.uk. You can look at our Facebook and Twitter, and you can see the uh, the places that we are going over the next. A uh, week or two, they'll start to. Not all of them are necessarily on sale yet, but over the next couple of weeks, it'll there. Uh, it'll start to all be there. You will start to reveal yeah. some hosts and all of the uh, the individual things about uh, the little extras that only How can bring uh, to your pay-per-view party. So get yourself in a position where you're ready to to book up for SummerSlam. You've got about six weeks. Before we get to that, we uh, we've not talked about uh, the world's greatest singer. The world's greatest entertainer, etc., etc. Uh, Double J, Jeff Jarrett, on his Ain't I Great tour is coming over uh, very soon. If you uh, if you didn't listen to the last podcast, although it was a little few weeks a uh, few weeks ago, uh, it was uh, an interview I did uh, quite long form with Jerry Lawler, which I had a blast doing. Um, <laughs> I will admit there wasn't quite enough Jeff Jarrett spoken on there as I intended to be. I think we wanted to do a little bit more Jeff talk, but I got a bit carried away talking about uh, the King. Um, but we did talk about Jeff for, for quite a while. Um, Jerry will tell you that uh, uh, you know Jeff is someone that he's known for a long time and uh, was uh, firmly endorsing him being someone that's a very interesting story. Paul and I have talked here on the podcast before that you know you might uh, have your own opinions about Jeff Jarrett as a wrestler, as a businessman, but you can't deny that he is someone that is a very, very much a talking point. Whether it's uh, contract disputes with Vince, matches against China, being made champion by Vince Russo, running his own company, being forced out of his own company, being made a Hall of Famer, um, the stuff with uh, Kurt Angle, all sorts of things that have happened in uh, Jeff's career. And listen, he's someone that's not—he's not got a book that's out there. You know, there's uh, a lot of wrestlers you can read their book, and when you go and see them live, they're just telling stories from the book, not Double J. Um, it's going to be a very unique experience. Uh, it's happening uh, very, very shortly, Paul. Do you want to tell people a bit about uh, the I, Great Tour? I will. We're going to go into this in a lot more detail next week, guys. Um, but we've got four dates coming up in July. We're going to be in London at Canary Wharf on the 23rd. Then on the 24th, we go up to Edinburgh for the Hilton Carlton. Um, then we go down to Sheffield on the 25th at the Public Library Theatre. And we finish our run on the 26th at... Um, 
Cardiff at uh, Beer Keller. So we've got four dates in total, three different nations within the, our great Commonwealth uh, of Nations. Um, and if you go to ringsideworld.co.uk now, you can get tickets. And one of our kind benefactors, as this weekend only said, it's a very funny, cheeky offer. But if you want to go now and use the promo code Three Lions, T T H R E E Lions, um, they're giving you 30% off all the tickets at the moment. Not our doing. Um, it's a very generous offer. Take it up now because it only lasts until England are out of the World Cup. It's basically people are just completely drunk with the excitement about the World Cup, including Paul Benson, uh, that they're they're willing to give shit away. At the I'm moment. I'm so, giving uh, an, I'm giving enough away based on England's success. Yeah, this isn't on well. me. <laughs> yeah, this is this is not on this is not on us this time. This is on uh, someone else. Yeah. Uh, I will say for my personal part, um, it's just it's a horrible set of coincidences. But uh, I happen to be out of the country during that week uh, in in Holland, um, so I'm not able to uh, to be involved like I'd have liked to have been. But um, Kudos to you, Paul, because you found a very fine host, which was announced this week. Yes, we went out and got... If, if Rob's not available, we went out and got the best we could find. We went for Kenny McIntosh of Inside the Ropes. He's done this thing inside and out. You've probably been to one of his shows. Um, he's not afraid to ask the tough questions. So, um, hopefully, he's going to give Double J a good grilling and not let him off the hook too easy. No, because I certainly wouldn't have done. I was looking forward. To, I wanted to do Double J, and I, cause I've, I know Jeff, and I'd have, uh, I'd have liked to have... Um, dug a little bit deeper into the conversation but I, 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 when I said I couldn't do it to Paul um, he went out and got a very good host I don't think anyone's going to miss me whatsoever so well, well done for <laughs> I'll uh, miss you Rob no, no you might do but uh, listen everyone no, one, no one's going to see the host Kenny just doesn't spoon like you do <laughs> very good um, but no, no one really goes to see the host everyone goes to see the uh, the star which is Jeff all the host is there to try and do is try and make a, a smooth event which uh, I know Kenny will do because he's very experienced in this kind of thing and has, uh, has worked with Hal before and is indeed a very experience from uh, from inside the rope. So I, I'm if I'm if I'm going to be replaced, I'm very happy that someone like him. I was <laughs> Paul was under a little bit of pressure. I have to say he won't admit this, but I was like, if you if you pick someone that's shit, and I'm <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> supposedly replacing me, but actually getting pretty good. So it's uh, uh, it's okay. Um, and quickly about the uh, the wrestling media con, Paul. Just uh, just give us yes. uh, again. We'll, we'll, once we get nearer that event, we're going to really start ramping that up. Yeah, it's uh, a very cool, very different. Um, sort of event coming to the UK um, I encourage you all to go and Google now if you don't know what we're talking about Wrestling Media Con uh, that's what it's called correct? That is Wrestling Media Con on the 8th and the 9th of September at Baller's Exhibition Centre it's going to be a phenomenal um, weekend all sorts of stuff going on we've got the convention itself where we're going to welcome well there's plenty more to announce but at the moment we've got Pat Patterson we've got Dave Meltzer both of those two doing their first ever UK appearances um, in situations like this they're going to be doing talks they're going to be doing signings pictures two legends in very different ways especially Patterson I'm very excited about listening to what he's got to say we've got X-Pac coming down Sean Waltman we've got Colt Cabana we've also got guys, Colt Cabana your mate mm. he says he'll be nice um bunch of other guys that were you know some some quite interesting names that we we're going to announce in the next few weeks we're going to do the wrestling media hall of fame we've got um stage shows going on with the guys from wrestle talk from cultaholic from um oh there's uh there's, there's too many of those there's too many youtube i won't pretend to know all the youtube channels like that's not my area of expertise but we will i'll make sure i do my homework on that once i firm the schedule down we've got wrestling action 
in the wrestling room. We've got Rev Pro doing a couple of shows over the weekend. We've got matches from the NWA. We've got NGW. We've got Defiant. Most impressively I'd say Impact Wrestling returns to the UK we're going to have Impact's first UK show in about three and a half years it's uh, Impact Wrestling versus the UK that's kind of the Impact idea Impact isn't Wrestling it? versus the UK and we will very soon be announcing who that versus might be it's been decided almost we've just got to make sure that they've got the cojones for the challenge um, if they have we'll let you know in a few weeks who that'll be but I think it's quite an interesting um, an interesting crossover potentially I want to make something clear here. There's a bit of a d- dividing line because clearly this is a this is a hooked on wrestling podcast, um, and we, when we talk about stuff like SummerSlam and, and Double J, uh, hooked on wrestling um, projects, this isn't this is a Paul Benson project for other people. But I want to really stress how this doesn't involve me. But I'm so excited about it and how, for Paul mainly, but also for for how different this can be. I'm a little bit uncomfortable with the fact that it's a meek media con because I don't think focus should be on media necessarily in terms of, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Dave Meltzer and I think there's been other people that have um, brought a lot to the media side of, uh, of the wrestling industry. I always feel the forefront should be on the wrestling itself, which is why I'm so pleased that there's so many people that are getting involved who, who, who go over both sides. Listen, I, I've joked in the, well, no, it's not, I've not joked in the past about not getting on with Cock Banner. <laughs> it's a long story, but we don't get on. But the point is, is that no one can deny that Cabana started the wrestling podcast fashion from yep. from a wrestler's perspective. There's always been stuff like um, your, your Meltzers, your Wade Kellers, people like that that have done their um, their own sort of audio, not necessarily a podcast, but they've always done their audio uh, output, which has turned into podcasting. But there would be no Talk Is Jericho, there'd be no Steve Austin podcast, there'd be no Bruce Pritchard, there'd be none of those without Cabana. Nope. And while I, me and him may not get on. Um, I absolutely recognise his input into that side of things and he was very revolutionary when it came to that and he, and he did a brilliant job so someone like him being there someone like X-Park being there um, I'm fully behind because I absolutely think that uh, they are people that have put a lot into the business on, on various different sides I certainly don't think journalists and TV things should be getting the adulation from the fans necessarily but I absolutely think it's a, it becomes a different um, take on everything so this is going to be something unique for everybody so you get to see your favourite YouTubers you get to see some interesting stuff from different um, sides of things it becomes a little bit like you have your your Glastonbury's which then begat your V festivals which then te- you know become something else but then every other festival needs to have something, something with a twist doesn't it so you then have you know Latitude is a bit different to Download which is a bit yeah. different to Bestival and you know which is different to you know, then you have sort of stuff like um, the, the the Welsh town that I can't pronounce, which is much more focused on 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 comedy and and books. And then there's the Hay Festival, which is books. And festivals don't have to just have to be music; they can be lots and lots of different things. And I think wrestling is starting to go that way, so that you have WrestleMania, which begats all of the, everything that's around that. And now you have All In, which has Starcast with it. Yep. And and uh, and now of course you have the Wrestling Media Con, which is going to have its own thing as well. So just one more quick one, Paul. Where is it and when? 
It is at Ballers Exhibition Centre in Manchester on the 8th and 9th of September. Tickets are available now from ringsideworld.co.uk. You can get everything from your Platinum Weekend tickets, which gets you into absolutely everything. You know, the only doors that are barred from you there are the dressing rooms. Um, you can go to all the wrestling shows. You can go to all the talks. You can get into the convention hall. There's some exclusive meet and greets. Um, we've also got gold and standard weekend and day tickets all available. And, of course, the Impact Wrestling tickets. Ticket shows are separately on sale as well, with Rev Pro tickets going on sale in a couple of weeks. So, just just quickly on that, because I'm thinking as a punter here, because obviously, um, like I said, I'm not, I'm not completely involved. So I'd like to know from a, uh, a punter's perspective, this is the kind of thing that I would go to. So, what's the what are we talking in terms of the platinum? What's what are we talking for everything? What's the price, roughly speaking? Uh, uh, 185 pound gets you the platinum ticket. Um, gets you pretty much in, like I say into everything for the weekend. Um, so 200 quid for less than 200 quid what for both days yep both days well, that's, that's pretty good that's, that's in fact that's very good for, for just for uh, two days worth of stuff that's excellent uh, look, uh, there's, and there's plenty going on we want to just we want to make it a no brainer look we're not out to to make millions on this we want to present a great product that people can afford and um, and everyone has a good time we want we want to we want to get everyone together so we're not going wild on the prices, that's for sure. And then opposite to that, that. Very, very basic day rate. I live in the Greater Manchester area. I might be available it, on it, one of those days. What if I just rock up and pay on the door? If you want to rock up and pay on the door for the bog standard ticket, gets you in. That's twenty-two and a half quid. Okay. So then, and then from there, I can build up. And then from there, and then we can you can build up and buy individual things and Correct. whatever. Like it's Correct. Cool. Okay. I wanted to get that clear because what people may not realise is that in my experience, whenever you have any sort of event, the things that go most are the cheapest and the most expensive. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, definitely. So, so you've either got people that are dipping the toe in and want to see what's going on, or you've got people that are going, "I'm doing everything." So they're always the ones that I think are your most important ones. So, uh, 185 quid for two days worth of all that kind of different stuff I think that's absolutely magnificent value. We I gen- so. genuinely didn't know how much Paul was going to say when he said that I was terrified he was going to say 600 quid no, gonna go, <laughs> you rip off bastard no. but actually that's a really good price for, for a lot of different things if you can't afford that if you don't think it's worth it that's cool but I think actually you're not going to get all those things for that price very often and if you want to pay 20 quid to get in and then upscale from there you know, then that becomes not too bad either. So I, think I will that's, say uh, there are there are not many of those top level tickets left. I think there's only about sixty right? of them left. Oh really? Okay. So that and that will go quite quickly because they've not been on sale all that long. So, yeah. um, okay. So make sure you uh, you get yourself over to that if you are interested. The nearer we get to that show, we're going to do much more talking about it. Um, not just because uh, we want to try and sell it for Paul, uh, but also because it's just so interesting. It's so different, and I think we've got some people that are going to be involved in that who I'd really like to speak to Paul if you would be able to help us get them on the podcast I'm sure we could arrange I have, that I have never interviewed X-Park I've never spoke to Dave Meltzer um, I've never well I mean Patterson wow if we could get Pat on the show that'd be absolutely awesome I think that might be difficult uh, yeah. if I'm honest but the other two absolutely maybe we can uh, we can try and grab Pat for 20 minutes up in uh, in Manchester itself to, oh uh, yeah that's that's much more do- uh, that's much uh, more doable to, to do that show and we'll see how we get on um, but yeah it should be um, it should be great fun um, anything else to say before we wrap up, mate? And this was going to be a, a quick show, which has not turned into well, a quick one, but I'm genuinely saying this is one of the most fascinating podcasts mate, I've, I've, I've ever I've, done with you. I've really enjoyed it. I've had a great time. Thank you for indulging me this week. Um, the only thing I suppose I've got to say on top of it is um, it's coming home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not only is it coming home for you, but for everyone that's coming to SummerSlam. <laughs> honestly, honestly, you guys, he's putting a brave face on this. 
but he's I, I I know Paul Benson very very well. I've known him for about just over eight years now. We are we have become the best of pals, and I know the different tones of his voice. And he knows that on one hand, he's happy to lose a little bit of money because it means everything for him to for England to win the World Cup as it would do for me. And I think we <laughs> both we would both happily say, wouldn't we? We would lose fortunes if it meant England yes. would win the World Cup and how much it would mean as a fan but at the same time he's a businessman and he doesn't want to lose money and he's now thinking oh, I probably should have said 50% off rather than saying free <laughs> but it's on record mate so we're going to uh, we're going to force you to do it and when it actually happens when when uh, when Harry Kane scores that last minute goal against Belgium next week and uh, and England win the World Cup we uh, we we are going to be the first thing I'm going to be going is yes free summer slam for all my mates and you know what I am completely cool with that and actually what I will say is that everybody that's uh, that's supported Howe in the past and you've come to all our shows because listen if we end up going free on these things we're going to get a bit of a run we're going to end up getting yep. a bit overwhelmed with ticket because <laughs> you won't be able to just turn up and get in for free because we won't be able to do that we would have to ticket it you'd have to apply we'd have to sort things out it's a bit complicated. Um, so this sounds like a really shit gimmick about trying to get you to pay in advance, but I'm not doing that. But genuinely, if England win the World Cup next week and we have to go free on SummerSlam, they're going to sell out like that. Yep. And we're going to be four or, four, four or five weeks away from the uh, the actual thing. So Correct. I'm not trying to force you into buying tickets five weeks before the event, but please don't miss out because we absolutely want to look after our consistent, well, reliable from the very start how customers first so at the end of the day if you, if you buy the ticket now and then England win the World Cup you'll get the refund anyway yeah you get the refund to go yeah absolutely you get the refund yeah. so that's um, that's what I'm saying so it's um, uh, like <laughs> I hate how I've made that sound like such a shit marketing gimmick but I'm, I'm really honestly trying to, look, <laughs> trying to look after the uh, the people that have been with us from, from day one and there's, uh, there's plenty of you and you know who you all are one last time Paul where's the right places to go ringsideworld.co.uk ringsideworld.co.uk and for the first time we're trying out a new ticket site ticketsource.co.uk give that a go ticketsource.co.uk forward slash hooked on events s-o-u-r-c-e yep not sort of, uh, like tomato sauce. Not but, uh, tomato sauce. No, no, indeed. Um, thank you, everyone, for uh, for welcoming us back uh, into your earbuds this week. Um, trust us, we don't intend to uh, leave you for that long again. You might all be grateful, actually, to have not heard our ramblings <laughs> for a little while. Um, but our intention is to not uh, to come and go every six weeks or so. But uh, it's been a combination of us being busy and there not necessarily being things to talk about and all sorts of stuff. But uh, here we are now. Um, I hope you've enjoyed today. This has been something a bit different in terms of how we've uh, approached it, but it's been uh, it's been fun. Uh, like I say, we've, we are hoping to have some uh, very fun things over the next uh, six or eight weeks or so, because not only have we got um, Jeff coming up in a couple of weeks' time, but also as we get towards SummerSlam, we will try and do what we often do, which is to bring on some of our hosts uh, once they start getting announced. Um, uh, we ought to say, actually, what we didn't say earlier when we were talking about... Uh, WRS Wrestling is in particular um, we were, they were talking about the, the, the broadcast team was announced this week and we wanted to say well done to uh, uh, to Alex Shane who is someone that Paul and I both work with on different levels Paul more than I um, and Alex is going to be involved which is great news for uh, for WRS uh, yep. and indeed so, so Cal Val who is a, a hooked on host and has been a um, guest on here a couple of times she's going to be part of the broadcast team as well uh, along with Stu Bennett who's formerly known as uh, Wade Barrett I think that's an absolutely cracking lineup. 
Um, and it's worth noting that last time it Agreed. was... It was JR, was it JR and Jim Cornette? It was definitely JR. No, it was JR and Alex, actually. Oh, Alex, Alex did, it, did do it last time. But uh, um, the fact that, you know, Jim Ross is the greatest announcer of all time, you've got to try and follow that up. But I think that... Uh, uh, that, that Stu and Val and Alex will do a, a tremendous job and of course when it's people that are um, related to us or tangentially related to us at Hooked On we were, uh, we're obviously extremely proud and I'm sure that both rosters of WOS and WWE UK NXT UK are going to be full of people that are uh, uh, part of the Hooked On team yeah, um, yeah. so it's, uh, it's very it's, it's, I feel kind of proud Paul I don't know about you yeah I think it's great it's nice to be involved with some fantastic people who are leading the charge with wrestling in the UK on both sides of the divide that's developing we wish everybody involved the best of luck here here um, please enjoy the rest of your week um, particularly I hope you enjoy Wednesday and Sunday uh, from a very very English perspective but we've uh, we've talked some uh, some British wrestling today some Japanese stuff some WWE some MediaCon some Jeff Jarrett some SummerSlam it's all been great fun and we intend to do it the next time that we all get together and indeed for the next few weeks so we'd like to uh, thank you for downloading this particular podcast don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and beyond to go to hookedonevents.co.uk and we will see you very soon here on the podcast. We're just all it remains for me to say is to thank uh, Paul Benson, my co-host, and indeed to say to you all, just remember that it's wrestling. Enjoy it. And it's coming up. <laughs>